resource soldier. We're very good today. The mission is simple. Gentlemen, we'll be fighting against the perfect soldier. The battle. We're going in. Impossible. Complete back. Pull them out. Our only hope is to start him up again. I'm going back. I'm going to fight. But standing in his way, not one, but two. Been over this all before. This time, Andre the Pitbull Arlovsky and Dolph Lundgren again take on Jean-Claude Van Damme in the final showdown. Universal Soldier Regeneration. Coming soon. So welcome to episode 15 of Small Screeners, where we look back at direct-to-video and made-for-TV movies. I'm Chris. I've got AJ here with me as usual. Say hello, AJ. Hello, AJ. How y'all doing? And we're here today to discuss Universal Soldier Regeneration. What, what? Yup, yup. Uh, so yeah, 15 episodes. That, of course, includes our five Because Movies episodes that we did in October. So we're getting up there. We're getting into double digits now. <laughs> um, oh, how crazy. Um, so you you picked Universal Soldier Regeneration for for this month. You bet your curvy ass I did. <laughs> Before we get into the the plot and everything, why why Universal Soldier Regeneration? I guess you're a pretty big fan of this one. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it was really for me a turning point in direct video DTV because it just there was absolutely and there had been some ones before that I wouldn't have to make excuses for the you know because you'll watch certain movies and you'll go this was pretty good for right and then whatever qualifier that you want to add to it there was none of that shit with this this is as good as any theatrical release uh, action movie of its type at least you know in terms of just being a straightforward meat and potatoes kick your ass through your face shoot the <laughs> fuck out of everybody kick someone through a wall that kind of direct meat and potatoes badassery regeneration can stand up with any studio version of the same thing or just a big budget studio adventure that came out around the time it, it provides more visceral thrills and and makes you fucking grab on your knee and like, ah, you know, grit your teeth and just fucking hell. Yeah. You know, you, you know, just, it gets you involved and Mm. it kicked my ass. I was so not expecting it. You know, I was like a new universal soldier movie. Who was asking for that? Exactly. Yeah. Not that I didn't enjoy the first one. Um, and even the, the sequel, which some people really praise or, or enjoy the one from 99, the, uh, yeah. What was it? Because there were two direct-to-video sequels in the 90s. I've never seen those. They were, I think they were going to be a TV show or like a backdoor pilot or some shit like Mm -hmm. that. And they didn't get picked up and they were turned into like a direct-to-TV movie. Or it was cable or something. I want to say Showtime. Anyway, those sucked. Those sucked really hard. Uh, Did those have any uh, returning characters? I know Van Damme wasn't in it. Yeah, no, I think Luke Devereaux is a character in it, I think. Um, It's uh, played by Matt Battaglia or some such. And and sorry to whoever Matt Battaglia is. (laughs) You know, I I saw your movie and I do not remember you at all other than you are not Jean-Claude Van Damme by any you know, stretch of the imagination, sir. Uh, I pulled it up now. It's yeah, it's Universal Soldiers Two Brother 
Brothers in Arms starring Matt Battaglia. That, I, I will admit, I'm glad I pulled that shit out of my ass. I am impressed that I was able to remember that dude's name. But yeah, he was playing Luke Devereaux and <sighs> fucking our boy. Je- Do you know Jeff Wincott? That name rings a bell. I, I couldn't place him, though. Okay, the great character actor Michael Wincott that most of us know from, like, The Crow as top dollar. Okay. Uh, uh, the guy with the voice, the big old gravelly voice that comes from, like, below the Earth's crust. Yeah. His brother, Jeff, did some, uh, like, direct-to-video uh, or made-for-cable DTV action movies in the 90s. Uh, like, you know, Kung Fu type stuff. He was a fighter. And he plays Luke Devereaux's brother, Eric, apparently, in this first one. And that makes me kind of sad for Jeff Wincott. <laughs> I forgot that he was in it. You know, I, like I said, I've seen him once. Did they uh, even get said, Ron Howard's dad back? No, but they did get Burt Reynolds because apparently he had bills to pay. <laughs> yeah. uh, but anyway, they're shit. Uh, the Return had some fun stuff in it. I don't really like it overall. I mean, it's fine. I don't hate it. I like the 99 I, version? Yeah, the one with Michael J. White. And uh, uh, Goldberg. Yes, yes, yes. I did see that one in theaters that summer. Me and a friend went to watch it, and we thought it was really bad. <laughs> the only thing I really remember about it is there's a sequence where he's got to get on the internet for some reason. Yeah. And the only place you could find to get on the internet was in a strip club. Sure. So they had a chance to show some movies, I guess. Uh, and I was like, this is movies ridiculous. Uh, <laughs> I've never watched it again since then. I don't so know. It, it may be better than I remember. I, I don't know. It's not. Um, that's <laughs> fascinating that the thing that made you turn on the movie completely is that the strip club internet. I love it. You know what? I, I, I was putting up with all your bullshit up until here, but no more. Every man's got a line and you just crossed it, Universal Soldier The Return. That, I mean, hey, you know. More power to you. I, I'm not going to argue that or your morals or anything like that. <laughs> but I did. I do like the original. I, you know, we talked a little bit earlier before we record, started recording. I watched that movie when it came out on video. I caught it and watched it probably four or five times. You know, in the like mid '90s, early mid '90s. Probably haven't seen it in over 20 years. But I, I watched it again yesterday before I watched this, just as kind of a refresher. Because this is a this one. Regeneration is a direct sequel to. The first movie and it ignores all the other stuff that they did in the 90s yes and rightfully so yeah and you and you enjoyed it yeah the i original. like the i like the original it's um it's i mean bullshit. it is a it's a, it's a relic you know sort of it's a 90s standard 90s action movie but it's a van damme movie it almost seems a little it seemed like a lot van damme movie van damme movies like in the late 80s early 90s were all kind of the same like he's in a tournament you know, <laughs> He's fighting some uh, Mortal Kombat-style Kumite tournament. Uh, but this he one, he was a his... soldier. It was kind of a sci-fi movie. It was a little different than his other stuff from this era. And it was, of course, Roland Emmerich. I think it was his first movie uh, when he still made good movies. <laughs> um, uh, it was but yeah, I like I like the first one. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's funny you mentioned Van Damme's tournament-type movies. The, the one that he directed in 96, I want to say, the the Quest. Him and Roger Moore. Because that's what the oh, public wow. was clamoring for. Was I never would have remembered that Roger Moore was in it if you had not said that. I will never forget because I re- there was a review around the time that said, this is a movie where Van Damme, acting alongside Roger Moore, is also the director. And in Van Damme directing Roger Moore, you have the cinematic equivalent of the blind leading the blind. And I have never forgotten that because that's mm-hmm. just such a... I mean, it burned me, bro. I still have <laughs> yeah. That's what the I'm saying. The teeth came out. Yeah. 
but yeah, that's a, another tournament bullshit. But yeah, I mean, it seems like around this time, Van Damme was like, I'll do a little more sci-fi stuff. I mean, he did with Cyborg. Right, yeah, that did. Whatever you want to call it. I've never actually seen Cyborg, but that came out before, that was before any of his big hits, wasn't it? Yeah, it was his second one. It was the one he made right after Bloodsport um, with Albert. I don't know how to say his name because I've never heard anyone say it out loud. Pion or or Pion, Pune, the great uh, genre B-movie journeyman, you know, auteur. You know, (laughs) the dude has made some shit and he's made some insanely uh, entertaining B-movie bullshits. I, we all love him. <laughs> but yeah, he made Cyborg. And I get, I have seen Cyborg, not in a long time, but a, apparently there's a, a director's cut version of it that Albert put out called uh, Slinger. I, th- I think that's the name of it. But anyway, in the 90s, Van Damme getting more into sci-fi, or at least he had more success, because I think Universal Soldier, the first one, did pretty well. You know, yeah, it looks like it had a budget of $23 million and made almost $100 million worldwide. It hit 95, uh, which in 92 is not shabby at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Time Cop, I think, was Van Damme's biggest hit up to that point. And that was just two years later. Time Cop came out in 94. Um, so it was, you know, a nice change of pace for him to start to do kind of like some sci-fi action stuff. And Universal Soldier is fun. I liked it a lot when it came out on video. I hadn't watched it in years. And like we were discussing before, I saw it just within the last five years or so. And it's enjoyable studio bullshit from the 90s. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, and I mean that in, in the most loving kind of way. If I say something is bullshit, I don't always mean it. As a bad thing. In fact, a lot of times I don't. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I had forgotten because it had been so long since I'd seen it. Is it Andrew Scott? Is that the name of uh, Lundgren's character? Yeah. You know, he's in Regeneration, and I believe he's in Day of Reckoning, the one that follows this. But he dies pretty definitively in the original Universal Soldier movie. Uh, that uh, he did in a thresher. Uh, yeah, spoilers for, you know, we're, we're going to be spoiler heavy, obviously, for Everything. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm going to assume you've seen this if you're listening. But yeah, at the end of Universal Soldier, he's basically wood chippered. You know, he's just a red mist and some meat chunks. And I'd forgotten that. I assumed that he was revived the same way the other Universal Soldiers were revived for this movie. But there's not really any explanation for how he comes back unless you consider... I think you know, that the, they the just last. bring up well, they just bring up cloning technology at some point okay. when they're discussing who the doctors are. I didn't even I didn't even catch that the cloning thing until yeah the very end when we see the 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 soldier at the Our end. Our boy Mike Pyle. We'll get to him. Back, yeah. I had forgotten Mike Pyle was even in this when I, when I started to watch it again, and I was like, "Oh shit, Mike Pyle, I forgot!" And he's basically—I yeah. mean, you could make a case that he's the lead character. He's probably got the most screen time of anybody. Uh, you, he's definitely got more than Van Damme, um, mm-hmm. and and it's it's fucked up because you root for him. Anyway, we'll get to that, <laughs> and and I will want to uh, you know tap your brain there, uh, Mr. <laughs> UFC MMA fighter guy, because all yeah, I, I mean, Andre Orlovsky being in this movie was the main reason. Yeah. I even gave it a shot, you know, 12 years ago or when it came out, because I was a big fan of his anyway. That's what I was going to say. I know he's a fighter, and I know that Pyle is a fighter, and I don't know any details about them as fighters, just that they are. Yeah. They could both suck ass. <laughs> I doubt it. I doubt it. They look like they fuck people up. The- <laughs> 
Uh, they they both have been great at times and not so much anymore. But that's <laughs> well, hey, Father Time's undefeated. That's the uh, yeah, Jesus that's how it goes. Fucking not. <laughs> but yeah, so uh, I really did enjoy uh, Universal Soldier. Still, you know, and it just happens. I've been watching some '90s action movie lately, and it's. It's just that vibe that they all seemed to have. It's so comforting now. And I know that nostalgia is part of it, but it's also just the way the movies were made. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, no one is ever going to say Roland Emmerich is like one of the greatest directors of action in the world. But the action scenes in the first one are good. I understand what's going on in them. It's shot pretty well and it's it's edited with impact and it you know the way movies used to be <laughs> as like a rule more or less when they weren't like that that was when you'd be like oh shit this is doing something different and it helps to have van damme who is like i don't know if he ever competed in martial arts or anything but he clearly has a very camera friendly style of like fighting style with the the elaborate kicks and all that stuff his kicks are made for film yeah <laughs> they are made to be filmed and shared with the world they are things it, it's like it, it looks graceful and beautiful and <laughs> i mean really i mean not not to wax poetic or even romantic about it but i mean it is that's one of the beauties of really enjoying fight movies and martial arts and stuff like that like the the kick-ass things that the human body is capable of you know when when you mix talent and athleticism and all that shit and van damme as a physical performer at his peak was one of the best that ever did it. You know, you just, when you got a dude who knew how to choreograph him right and shoot him right, you were, if you love that kind of shit, you were in hog heaven watching Van Damme <laughs> do his thing. For action stars of that era, he's a lot of people's favorite, you know, especially if you're like, you know, kicking Arnold out of the, Arnold yeah. and Sly out of the equation. And you're just like, okay, just between Seagal and Van Damme, I think most people would pick Van Damme. Yeah, you know? I think, so, especially now. Well, yeah, I mean, because yeah, it's. <laughs> I I love the early Seagal run. Mm -hmm. I cannot express how much I love his early movies. Like they were a very big deal to me, and I still find them entertaining today. Yeah. But I do have to compartmentalize. You know, I can't just watch them the way I used to. You know, it's hard to keep telling that voice in your head. I I know that guy's a piece of shit. Stop telling me, man. God, <laughs> just let me watch him fuck people up. That's all I ever really wanted to do anyway. I didn't care if he was a good guy or a bad guy. I just wanted to watch him fuck people up in my movies so there's that and van damme you don't really have that he still looks good though uh at times mm -hmm. even in some of his uh, more recent movies when he yeah. does he doesn't have the same he can't do everything that he used to do let's just right i mean he's got to be pushing 60 i would think at this oh, point oh for sure he's at least he is currently <laughs> 62 okay yeah good lord but he would, so he would have been like 50 or so when they made this probably oh yeah yeah or pushing 50 and he, he, you know, he, I never thought he was like a terrible actor. He didn't really have like acting chops necessarily, but he was charismatic enough, you know, in the early days, but he became a pretty good actor. What is it? <laughs> JCVD yeah. uh, is the one most people cite as like, wow, he was really good in that. And he's um, legitimately great in it. Yeah. 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 He really is. Yeah. He was, he was always an appealing screen presence. Um, he looked like a movie star. He, he, he's almost comically handsome, really. You know what I mean? I mean, sorry, but I mean, the guy is. It's like, Jesus Christ. But. Yeah, my mom is a big fan. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. I think all our moms were big fans. They're like, <laughs> you know, I don't know about any of the rest of it, but I sure don't mind looking at him. But, you know, he could kick everybody's ass. And it was pretty rad. And and what I was saying is even today, he's still got some moves. He, he looks, he, he can still move well enough to effectively portray an action hero on film 
Mm -hmm. right now anyway. I don't know if that will change literally tomorrow, (laughs) but for right now, you know, when he hits somebody or kicks somebody, I don't think, oh my God, he looks like he's almost 80. I think, ooh, I wouldn't want to get kicked like that. Yeah, well, let's... um jump into i'll do a a quick uh summary and uh we'll just jump right into the to the plot so yeah universal soldier regeneration is a 2009 direct-to-video film starring jean-claude van damme dolph lundgren andre arlovsky and mike Pyle, uh, written by victor ostrovsky and directed by john himes it was budgeted at nine million dollars which is pretty good for a dtv movie i would think uh and released in the u.s on dvd and blu-ray on february 2nd 20 10 so nine million dollar budget i think i don't know that the wikipedia page which is about all the research i did on this <laughs> uh specified but it did get a it played in a festival and so i think they were kind of hoping for a theatrical release but i guess they didn't secure that so it just went direct to video in early 2010 that's what it seems like happened but like you said earlier this could play i would think in cinemas <laughs> it's good enough to be a theatrical release hell yeah <laughs> uh, as far as the plot terrorists kidnap the ukrainian prime minister's children and take over uh, the Chernobyl nuclear power plant, demanding the release of their imprisoned comrades. Uh, rogue scientist Dr. Robert Collin has provided the terrorists with an experimental next-generation Unisol. Uh, that's Universal Soldier. NGU for short. After a joint U.S.-Ukrainian assault is easily repelled by the NGU, Collin's former colleague Dr. Dr. Richard Porter revives four Unisols to combat the NGU, but they are also defeated with little effort. Uh, Former Unisol Luke Devereaux is undergoing therapy in hopes of rejoining society, but is pulled back to the military uh, after Ukraine agrees to the terrorist demands. Dr. Collin is not satisfied and releases an upgraded version of Devereaux's old nemesis, Andrew Scott, who quickly proves mentally unstable. Uh, He kills the doctor and a bunch of others before seeking out the kids. Uh, Meanwhile, Captain Kevin Burke. American military guy has infiltrated the plant in an attempt to rescue the children, but he is confronted by the NGU and killed. Devereaux is reconditioned and sent into the plant just in time to rescue the children from Scott, after which a brutal fight ensues, ending when Devereaux impales Scott's head with a lead pipe and fires a shotgun through it. While trying to lead the children out, Devereaux is attacked by the NGU multiple times before finally jamming an explosive in the back of the NGU's uniform blowing him up. Uh, in the aftermath, Captain Burke's body is retrieved, and sometime later, Dr. Porter enters a cold chamber to observe several cloned versions of Captain Burke. Credits roll. That's the plot. We get an action sequence about 90 seconds into the movie. <laughs> it does not take long. No, no. It it, it jumps in with it, both feet, hits the ground running. Yeah, and it pretty much, there's very little breathing room in between action sequences. In that it too. does not go long. It does not make you wait long for the next one. No. Yeah. <laughs> no. So I, like I said earlier, I had forgotten that Mike Pyle was even in this. I don't think I knew it beforehand because I just knew Arlovsky was like on the poster and stuff. So this would have been 2010. So I had been kind of a big UFC fan for about five years, maybe, maybe four years at this point. And it was at a point where the UFC was kind of getting close to its like peak in popularity, like it was getting to be kind of a big deal, which is why you started seeing some fighters and stuff in movies and things. You know, Ronda Rousey was in one of the Fast and the Furious movies and the Expendable movies uh, a couple mm-hmm. years after this. And Carano, you know, yeah, yeah, where she went to hell. She was in um, Haywire. Haywire. Hey, wire baby. <laughs> I don't give a fuck what stupid shit she says or does. <laughs> she, her being a piece of shit, is not going to ruin my love of Haywire because that movie fucking rocks. 
one day I'll I'll see Haywire. <laughs> so Dude, watched it. It's right. Uh, I've I've heard it. I've never really heard anything bad about it. So I know eventually I'll I'll get to it. But yeah, I was um really big into to it. And at this point, Arlovsky he had been a UFC champion early in the two in the early two thousands. I'm actually going to look up his uh, record for a point of reference here because he he was a UFC champ. He had lost. Uh, his title, and he left the UFC at one point because he didn't feel, feel like he was going to get another title shot, I guess, and ended up in another promotion where he um, had a fight with Vador Emelianenko. Have you ever heard of him? No. He is the guy that Koba is based on, basically, in Warrior. Oh. Uh, he's a Russian fighter who, for a long time, was essentially undefeated, and he, he never really fought. He fought in Japan. He never really fought in America. But this new promotion started up and got him signed, and they, they benched him up with one former UFC champion that he knocked out in, like, 25 seconds. <laughs> uh, and then after that, they matched him up with Arlovsky. And Arlovsky was still kind of in his prime, still really good, and was, like, piecing him up and uh, decided to go for, like, a flying knee to finish him. And Fedor threw an overhand right, and Arlovsky got knocked out midair and just collapsed to the canvas. Mm-hmm. Um, and it w- it's like one of the most amazing knockouts in MMA history. <laughs> so, um, and I'm, I'm looking to see if that was before this, because okay, that was in 2009. So he probably filmed this right after that. And he had a pretty bad stretch after that, and then kind of stabilized his career. Ended up back in the UFC, and uh, he's kind of a journeyman now. He's still in the UFC. He's been fighting uh, MMA for like 20 years now. Yeah. But yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan of his. Mike Powell is another guy who's kind of a journeyman. He's He had a good run in like the mid-2010s uh, where he had won like five or six in a row. And it started looking like he might get a title shot, but that then he lost a few and retired shortly after that. But, uh, but yeah, that's MMA hour. <laughs> for <small laughs> but no, I mean, that's interesting shit. I mean, I didn't know all that. And it, it was something I wanted to know about because in the movie anyway, you know about what they're like as actual fighters and skills. But that's not always going to translate to a movie. If it yeah. did, a lot more fighters would become, you know, they would at least star in more action yeah. movies. But Pyle is really good. He has more to do in terms of creating a character, whereas Orlovsky just has to kind of be like the ultimate robot Terminator type, you know, yeah. <laughs> uh, almost like a slasher killer that can like, you know, roundhound, roundhouse kick mm-hmm. your face off your head. And he's uh, Belarusian, so he has like a heavy accent. <laughs> uh, I'm not sure how great he would do with a lot of dialogue and stuff either. But yeah. Yeah. So he's really great doing what he's been asked to do. Pyle, I think, is really good, though, like legitimately likable and charismatic. And uh, you had kind of pointed out in some way we were saying earlier that in some ways he's kind of the lead of the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, or at least really the protagonist. <laughs> it, it is weirdly structured in that sense. It's just yeah. it just provides us with this setup, and then we just watch everybody involved in it kill the fuck out of each other, um, <laughs> which is great. That's why that's why I turned it on the first time mm-hmm. I ever did. But I think Pyle is really good. I really like the way that he played it, and they end it with a setup where you think there will be, if they made more, which they mm-hmm. did, that he would be in it, which he's not, and. As much as I love Day of Reckoning, and I fucking love that movie a whole lot, I wish he had been in it. I wish they'd figured out a way to, to put him in it. I thought now, it was great. Is Arlovsky in Day of Reckoning? I remembered him being he in is. it. But he is, but it almost seems like he's playing a different character. For a lot of it, he does basically fill the same role, which is, you know, unkillable robot Terminator yeah. <laughs> evil motherfucker. And he's got 
his fight with Scott Adkins in the sporting goods store in that movie is yeah. probably better than anything he does in regeneration, mm-hmm. but there's a lot more of it in regeneration. And I know we're jumping to, or I am jumping to day of reckoning. Go ahead. Greek. <laughs> I think that's probably the better movie, but as a pure action movie, I think regeneration is, is better because mm-hmm. day of reckoning is really fucking weird. And it's not trying right. to do the same kind of things that regeneration is trying to do. And if what you want is just to have your ass kicked for about 90 minutes, <laughs> regeneration got you. Whereas Day of Reckoning, you know, will intersperse hugely brutal, mind-altering ass-kicking with weird, fucked-up David Lynch, Gaspar <laughs> Noe, you know, or no arty kind of mind-fuck shit, which is awesome, too. You know, there's a place for that. Uh, I didn't know that because I hadn't seen Day of Reckoning yet. And then I saw it, and I was like, oh. <laughs> there's a place for that kind of shit in the world who knew so yeah i think that's the better movie but regeneration as just a pure action movie it it walks all up and down a lot of movies dude mm-hmm. so i mean you said you hadn't you said you saw it when it first came out and you gave it a shot because of arlovsky Rewatching it now still saying that it just delivers it almost feels like that's something that could drop on streaming now yeah like the way that like extraction did a couple of years ago, the Chris Hemsworth mm-hmm. movie. Right. And there were a lot of people who talked shit about that. And because I don't fucking know what people want anymore. I mean, you <laughs> give them, there would be people who were like, I love action movies. I love action movies that just get in, get the job done, get the fuck out. Give me all the martial arts. Give me great choreography. Give me one shots that just go and go and kick ass and basically make a laundry list of every single thing that Universal Soldier Regeneration delivers <laughs> for us. You drop that on streaming today, there'd still be some of those motherfuckers that'd be like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, there were plot holes and stuff. It's like, shut the fuck up. But those dickheads aside, I think it would play like a bitch with Mm. the action-loving community. Because it's just, it's the kind of thing that just wouldn't get old, I don't think. And you you mentioned earlier that direct-to-video became like the go-to place for these type of action movies. And like the mid-2000s up through pretty much until streaming started to dominate. Yeah, I mean... I saw not one, but two Jeff Speakman movies in the theater, dude. We used to live in a real country. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) And then those kind of mid-budget action slash martial arts, whatever, you know, subgenre of action movies you want to call them, Mm -hmm. that starred a Van Damme, that starred a Jeff Speakman, you know, a Jeff Wincott. That kind of shit went to DTV. And you did kind of make, to a degree, excuses for them, which is what I was saying. This one came out and it just... I didn't expect it to do that. I didn't know that they were going to get to the level they got. And then Isaac Florentine starts, you know, I start seeing his movies like with Scott Adkins and shit like that. Uh, Undisputed 2, you know, and it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, holy fuck, man. They're they're not just like trying to be as good as theatrical action movies. They are standing proud right next to him. Like, what's up with you? How you doing? Mm-hmm. You know, and the first one I saw that really did that for me is Regeneration. So it's it's going to be special to me. So, yeah, fuck yeah. Fuck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. No, you're right. I, just, I love that movie, dude. It's so good. And watching it the other night, I was like, oh, God, this movie's so good. <laughs> Fucking kicks ass. <laughs> uh, one, one thing I did note, like, the first time they do their, like, assault to try and take over uh, Chernobyl, 
I know I made note of it, and then the doctor pointed it out when he was talking to the commander later. Like those terrorists suck. Like <laughs> yeah. the American and Ukrainian soldiers come in and they just fucking kill everybody until they run into the the NGU, and then they yeah. get you know blasted after that. He just oh man when he just <laughs> comes in and and I love the scene and you know again we're spoilers for a movie from fucking. 12 years ago or whatever, but they have those before they bring Luke in uh, the Jean-Claude Van Damme character, who is not an active participant in the proceedings until 30 minutes to go, maybe. Yeah. But I mean, he makes up for not really being there because then he just started, he kills everybody for about 20 straight minutes. It's great. <laughs> but anyway, they, they have four of the original Unisols on ice. They send them after the NGU and it kind of becomes almost like a slasher movie with Kung Fu. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's awesome, it's very, dude. <laughs> it's very similar to Jason X when yeah. Jason kills all the Marines that yes. go after him, <laughs> or the, all the soldiers, whatever they're called. Yeah, fucking space Marines. Yeah, <laughs> fucking fantastic comparison and dead on. And it just, it, it's just, you know, and you see it, and you're like, God damn, John Hyams, way to bring it, dude. Like, you know, I, I, I love your life, bro. I love how you're doing it. I love how you're you know, getting it done. I don't know how they did that hook effect with the, with the guy when he impales one of the unisols on that giant hook that's hanging in, in the plant. It look, I mean, it looks. I mean, maybe it's just a dummy. That's probably what it is. I guess. <laughs> well, probably, but I mean, it, it looks, looks really good. It yeah. looks really good. There's some really great practical stunts, and like, mm-hmm. hey, we're not filming in America. Do you mind if we kick you two fuckers off this building <laughs> and just shoot you like ah? Mm-hmm falling all the way to the ground like a sack of fucking wet lunch (laughs) yeah that kind of shit is awesome and at the end the climax you know there's that big multi-level thing and it's like are they gonna and they do they fall off (laughs) about six things on the way down and i know i'm jumping around but i mean that kind of thing i love that they really made a point of just showing that these dudes are the original timex walk watch (laughs) taking that licking keeping on ticking he gets blasted by a jeep uh (laughs) during that one when he first shows up and is like okay i'm gonna kill all of you now and just starts running amok they hit him with a motherfucking jeep he rolls up and off the jeep through the air hits the ground rolls from the you know the the momentum of it and just kind of comes up with his gun and just starts shooting the fuck out of him Mm. and it's like god you know when you do that kind of thing right it's just it's such a thrill to see this the way the stunts and the actors and the way they're shooting it and it all just comes together so perfectly and it's it just it's that thing that the great action movies do inside you it just your little kid is like (laughs) you know just screaming and making unintelligible bullshit noises and that's what i was doing i don't care if it was kicking them off like the third level of that thing and they're like boom 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 like pinballs all the way down oh god i'm sorry this is this is going to be me a lot through the through the because i i it just makes me giddy dude. it's the kind of shit that i live for and uh, i'm so glad that you were like yeah fine let's do it because <laughs> gave me another excuse to watch regeneration and i could have watched that movie this morning and it would have been just as just as fun if i watched it right now yeah i was excited to to, to revisit it because it's been since it first was released on dvd was you know i'd only seen it the one time but yeah i hadn't seen it since you know 2010 and uh yeah it's 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 badass uh, well, like and i thought said, about it, buying it, it kicks off right yeah you know like you pointed out 90 seconds in you're like sitting down like god i hope this i hope this delivers all these years later in 90 seconds mm-hmm. it's like what about this motherfucker <laughs> <laughs> you're like yeah <laughs> 
And just as a, a little tip for you and any of our listeners who might be interested, if you get the Canadian Blu-ray of Universal Soldier Day of Reckoning, the sequel to this one, the one with Van Damme, Lundgren, and Scott Adkins, that rest assured, dear listeners, I'm going to try to talk Chris into doing that one at some point. <laughs> if you get the Canadian Blu-ray of that, which is, of course, you know, Region 1, it's the uh, unrated cut. The R is pretty gnarly in and of itself, but the unrated cut has a couple of extra choice moments of, <laughs> And that's only on the Canadian Blu-ray? It's the one that, yeah, I think the only one that I was able to, you know, maybe some version of it over in Europe has the unrated cut. But as far as what will play on a region, yeah. one player, yeah. And that was also uh, uh, quite affordable, if mm. I remember. It was less than 20 anyway. I'd have paid 20 for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I caught it on, uh, I think it was on Netflix when I watched that one years ago. But I like that one a lot as well. Isn't it a mindfucker, though? Yeah, it's fucked up. <laughs> and I'm sure it's not exactly what you thought. Mm-hmm. When you sat down, because I mean, and I had heard that it was a little fucked up and I was like, oh, well, okay, so they're doing something different. And then I sit down and see this something different. And I'm like, what I was expecting was a completely different kind of something different. Because <laughs> uh, this here is fucking ape shit. And I party with it hard. And if you want to see an action scene where a guy with a boner is uh, <laughs> Andre Arlovsky, <laughs> that's your movie. <laughs> um, yeah, that's a thing that happened in the movie. <laughs> That's uh, definitely a scene that, that occurs in, in, in a movie. The the only other person I kind of wanted to point out from the cast in this is the the doctor who is helping out Devereaux, kind of trying to help him reassimilate. And it's a, I think, British actress that I'm not really familiar with. But I kept thinking over and over that that was uh, Trailer Howard, who was on. Oh, yeah. Two yeah, guys, two guys a girl and a girl. Place, and she was in Dirty Work <laughs> and Monk. Yes, Monk. But like this girl, the the uh, doctor looks like exactly like her, I think. Well, not entirely sure that I see it, but I know <laughs> I, I know why you I know why you're saying it. Sure. I get it. Yeah. I you know, she's in it and I forget that she's in it because you know she's. Just <laughs> I've never seen of, her in anything else. Yeah. No. And, you know, her part is big fat, nothing sandwich. Really? Yeah, I mean everything is utilitarian. Let's just yeah, yeah. Get, yeah, get the get the fighters from one location to the next so they can have their fight. <laughs> exactly, and you need actors that can come in and deliver the the dialogue that's completely either expository or just to get us from one scene to the next <laughs> and not embarrass themselves and not make the movie look like they hired people off the street and <laughs> everyone else involved, uh, even the guy that has been in all kinds of shit from like. The, the first Kingsman movie to Hellboy, uh, Corey Johnson, I want to say. Yeah, Corey Johnson. He's been in all kinds of stuff. He's the, the military guy. The one with the crazy hairline? He does indeed have an unfortunate <laughs> hairline. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's one of the agents that are like, it's like he's like Hellboy's buddy, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he's one of the government guys in a couple of the Bourne movies and stuff. He's been around. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he, he's a recognizable face for sure. Yeah. And you, he shows up and you're like, oh, okay. And he does what they hired him to do. And then you go, okay, let's watch people kick each other again. And that's, you know, like you said, it's all strictly in service to get us to boom, boom, bang, bang, kick you, yeah. fuck you. And there's nothing wrong with that at all. I do like in the like hand-to-hand combat sequences, this is kind of an early example of people using MMA and jujitsu and stuff. stuff. Famously in Lethal Weapon, Mel Gibson like uses a triangle choke and, you know, and stuff like that. But um, once MMA kind of became a big deal in the 2000s, you started seeing a lot more 
you know, arm bars and shit in action movies. Uh, and this was one of the early times I started. I really noticed it a lot. Uh, as soon as Mike Pyle, his character faces off with Arlovsky's character, he like rolls for a knee bar and then he's jumps on his back and throws on a rear naked choke and stuff. So that was kind of cool. I think the first time I had really seen it used uh, extensively enough in a movie where it was noticeable, mm-hmm. not just like you said, like the triangle uh, that Mel Gibson used, but like, throughout the movie was uh, Flashpoint with Donnie Yen. Donnie mm. Yen was a, a really early enthusiast of introducing MMA uh, styles into into movies. I, I believe he actually wanted to compete. But there was something to do with a, a shoulder injury he had had. And when he was mm. training, like to actually go fuck people up, like for <laughs> real. Because Donnie Yen is the real deal. Donnie Yen is right. not just some like, you know, oh, you know, you look good throwing a kick. Let's do this. No, he's a <laughs> real fighter. And I think when he was training, the, the story is that he aggravated an old shoulder injury. He had, and they realized that it just wouldn't, you know, he was like in his mid to late 40s. Right. At that right. time. And he was still like, I want to go out. And <laughs> Donnie Yen, and this has nothing to do with anything, but I'm going to tell you real quick because it won't take long. And it's a fun story. And I love telling <laughs> okay. it. Donnie Yen was apparently dating some like pop star in Asia. Uh, back in the day and they were at some nightclub or restaurant or something and some young punks walked by and started talking shit to her and he was like you're gonna want to shut your mouth or apologize (laughs) or you said so you know basically you don't want to do that or i'm gonna take you Mm -hmm. outside and i'm gonna fuck you all up and they were like we'll do it and he took them all outside and he fucked them all up (laughs) like jack real style yeah like he said okay (laughs) <laughs> and they went outside and Donnie Yen fucked up these guys for talking shit to his girl out out having dinner or drinks or whatever it was. And it's just like, oh, I love it. Awesome. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, uh, MMA stuff. Donnie Yen was a, a real proponent of making sure that that really got introduced mm-hmm. to the Hong Kong cinema. And then, of course, any American action director worth his salt, his or her salt, I should say, let's be fair. They're going to take some cues from Asian action cinema. You know, any of them that pay attention to how the good shit is done is keeping track of what's going on over there. And so I think that coupled with UFC becoming so popular in America, they were like, oh, maybe we should start putting these in movies and hire, you know, actual fighters when we can. And someone like John Hyams, I think, who, uh, as we had talked about, coming from a documentary background didn't he make one about fighters or stuntmen or something yeah there's a, a kind of a sort of a famous mma documentary called the smashing machine which is about That's the one uh mark kerr that was his nickname the smashing machine and uh he was from the very early days of the ufc and then he fought i think in japan and i've never actually seen the smashing machine machine i've heard that it's really good and very depressing <laughs> but i've never actually watched it myself but when i saw that he was the one that did it i was like holy shit he did uh, he did a documentary i've heard so much about so that was kind of cool that's probably why he was excited to get you know these uh, ufc guys and use their you know skill sets for this yeah and i think his documentary background has a lot to do with uh, his skill, I think, at presenting action in a really understandable, visible way. You know, I don't know. I just think John Hyams is, I wish he has made more movies at this point, you know. Cause, yeah, I was kind of surprised. I thought he had done the sequel as well, but he just produced it. Um, what, and he, hasn't, he doesn't have a ton of directing credits. No, he directed Day of Reckoning. Oh, I thought he just produced. No, he's made Regeneration, and then right after that, he did, uh, well, not right after that, but the next two movies he did was Dragon Eyes. With, yeah. uh, the, I think he's an MMA fighter, too, or was, uh, Kung Lee. Yeah, yeah, he, um, he, yeah, he was in um, the Event Horizons type 
sci-fi horror movie that Dennis Quaid was in. Oh, uh, Pandorum. Yeah, Pandorum. He's in that as well. But yeah, he was uh, he fought at the UFC a little bit and fought. And he was also yeah. in Man with the Iron Fists. Mm-hmm. Let's yeah. not forget glorious <laughs> fucking bullshit that movie is. That's closer <laughs> to being a piece of shit than bullshit, but it's mm-hmm. it's almost like it's supposed to be. Yeah. I cannot hate that movie. I can't. I watched it once and I don't remember much about it except <laughs> that I didn't care for it much. So <laughs> didn't um, hate it, but didn't didn't like it much either. It's a very it's it's meant to entertain a very specific group of people. Mm-hmm. I, you know, specifically ones who grew up watching the movies that the Rizza grew up watching and that mm-hmm. he's paying tribute to. Anyway, Kung Lee was in that and he was in Dragon Eyes with uh, Van Damme. And it looks like Universal Soldier Day of Reckoning came out the same year. Those both came out in 2012. And then he made the survival horror movie Alone a couple of years ago, which is very good. Not action-y, but kind of filmed in a very immediate, uh, impactful action-type style for a survival horror. And then he's got the new uh, Kevin Williamson slasher movie coming out. Uh, Sick. What's that one called? Sick. Hmm, Yeah, I haven't heard anything about that, I don't think. That's cool. I just know that it's a horror movie that Kevin Williamson wrote, and it's it's a slashery type thing. And apparently it's supposed to be very balls to the wall, you know, no let up, like slasher intensity. That's something like that. It sounds great. At any rate, I will watch John Hyams direct a Kevin Williamson horror slasher flick. Yes, I will. (laughs) But my point is just he's he's a really talented director of this kind of stuff. And I, I wish he had done more, but I'm glad that he's got what we have available to enjoy. And awesome that his dad is Peter Himes, who's made a great many uh, genre, the the genre journeyman director tag, and who shot this movie for his boy. Yeah, I was going to mention that too. It was his, I think it was listed as the only movie he served as cinematographer on that he didn't direct, so that's cool. Yeah, the Elder Hyams has shot most of the movies that he's done, including The Relic, and some people hate him for shooting The Relic because it's too <laughs> dark. And I, I, I That's a Michael Madsen relic? <laughs> You're thinking of species. It's Tom Sizemore. Tom Sizemore, that's right. <laughs> but I mean, haven't most people gotten Tom Sizemore and Michael Madsen mixed up at least many, one point many in times. their life? <laughs> Back when those both those dudes showed up in the early 90s, I kind of lumped them in. I, I was like, I see Tom Sizemore in a movie. I'm going to want to rent it and watch it. Like Hider in the House, which is not great, but I watched it because of <laughs> Same thing with uh, Michael Madsen. It's like, oh, this guy. I, I kind of thought of them in a very similar way. So it's, it's funny that people get them confused even today but yeah i i love that peter himes came on and was like yeah i'll shoot your movies you know my son my my kid and you know it's it's, some people think it's too dreary and gray i think it's appropriate yeah it's it's kind of like this washed out or like like gunmetal gray kind of you know it, it is supposed to be dreary it's fucking chernobyl it shouldn't be fucking carnival lit you know um and i think you know he shoots the hell out of it it's it's effective and when your dad is peter hyams and you can get him to shoot your shit fucking do it that's what i learned yeah i guess that's really all i've got for for universal soldier unless you've got anything else i do have another aside for arlovsky but i'll save it for for uh, if you have any final thoughts for this flick i didn't really mention a lot about the cast outside of the uh, the main well we uh, don't really need to yeah, because there's just not a lot to any of these characters, really. Um, the the guys that they hired—I was just going to say—the guys they hired to play the original Unisols that come out and fight Orlovsky—they mm-hmm. look good. 
Yeah. You know, I think um, one of them was a guy from Tekken, which I've never seen, but. Oh, shit. Um, okay. Yeah, I've never seen it either, but now I can just go, oh, wow, that's a guy from Tekken and continue to never watch it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And the uh, the fights with with uh, Van Damme against both Lundgren and Arlovsky are both uh, really cool. Uh, and the, the way he kills. So awesome. Do what? The Lundgren one is so awesome. And the way he kills Scott when, with the, uh, the lead pipe and the shotgun is just epic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He puts a lead pipe through his forehead and then he groans and he's like, oh. and he starts to say something and Van Damme's like, you know what? Shut the fuck up. I'm going to put this pump in your fucking, you know, pipe hole. You smoke that. Blows the back of his head out really graphically and satisfyingly. And yeah, I mean, it's just, I had missed watching them fight and seeing them at the time. I was like, oh my God, this is so awesome. And they kick the shit out of each other. And their stunt doubles do, too. It's great work by everybody involved. Because they're throwing each other through walls and all kinds of shit. And they can't do all that. You know, they're getting old. Even in 2010, they was getting old. But yeah, it's just such a great fight. And then, of course, Orlovsky, Van Dam continues to run after him every time he beats him down a little bit. And he's like, nope, we're not done yet. And yep. it's, it's great, man. And anyone who likes these kinds of movies, you never know what people are going to like. But I, I can all but guarantee if this is the kind of movie you enjoy, you're going to get something out of this one. You're not going to watch it and go, that was a complete waste of my time. You might go, you know what? That's really not for me. And I don't know that I ever need to watch it again. But this part was cool. And I'm glad I saw that part. You know, there's there's something in it because it's just it's just a monster of a flick, man. I fucking love it. Yeah, I'm with you. It's really cool. It's uh, I mean, for action fans who, you know. There's a lot of hubbub about how it's all franchises and, you know, Marvel movies and slick CGI and like they don't make cool action movies anymore. And, you know, this is an, this is a little older now. You know, it's 12 years old, but this is what you're looking for. If you're a fan of like 80s and 90s action movies, it's visceral. It's nonstop pretty much action from the first 90 seconds. <laughs> it provides all almost all the th I mean, it's not trying to do all the different kinds of action that no. 80s and 90s movies did. But it does deliver on the things that you really wanted 80s and 90s action movies mm -hmm. to deliver on and generally did the best of them. But it goes a little harder than those because, you know, it, it is 2010 and they could get away with a little bit more in, in terms of straight brutality. Even the scene in the diner early on where Luke yeah. kind of snaps it. He beats the fuck out of this old man's <laughs> face and it just keeps going. You're like, okay, you can stop now. And, and I became convinced he was just going to pound the old, it was going to end with the old man's head as paste. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but the, you and know, there were a few times when Arlovsky and Lundgren, you know, they do that. They just beat people to literally beat them to death. Just yeah. over and over. Yeah, and you realize that's what Van Damme was going to do, and I think at mm -hmm. some point later on when he's clear in the building or whatever, he does just, he punch, they punch them in the head until they're dead. Yeah. <laughs> which takes about 15 blows, and it just, you mm -hmm. just see all of it. It's just, dun, 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 <laughs> and it's like, holy fuck, holy fuck, is he going to keep, he's, he's, he's going, will it yeah. stop? <laughs> that reminds me, this is an aside too of, uh, I'm sure you've seen Vin Diesel's A Man Apart, yeah, you know when he kills that guy just by beating him to death <laughs> in the middle of a shootout. I remember watching that in the theater, and I was just like, I was just like shocked. Like he beat that guy, he just punched him to death. <laughs> he just punched that guy until he was dead. But, the mid '90s movie with David Caruso, uh, Kiss of Death, with uh, that got uh, Cage in it as well. Yes, Nicholas Cage as Junior Brown got kind of hulked up 
for the part. Mm-hmm. And he beats Michael Rappaport to death in that movie oh, by punching him in the Who face. doesn't want to see that? <laughs> <laughs> but I remember, I mean, that kind of thing, it's just surprising when you see it in a movie. You don't expect to just watch someone punch someone until they're dead. You know, not in that kind of brutal, direct, just over and over and over and over and over, you know, it's, you know, a stomping thing like the elevator scene in Drive or even the doctor in the first, you know, in 2018 Halloween, you know, that kind of thing. You go, oh, it's coming. And then they stomp them, stomp mm-hmm. the head. But someone just punching another guy in the face until the guy's not breathing anymore. It's like, oh, fuck, that's <laughs> that's a direct sort of brutality that it, it it's very visceral. I think there's a, a real it, it just creates such a strong reaction when it's done i guess disturbingly <laughs> when they're done right it's a little disturbing you're like oh oh man oh that's gnarly dude and i did think of that a couple of times in universal soldier regeneration the first time i saw it i was like oh these guys just beat motherfuckers to death that's yep. just what they do <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah that's all i got for for universal soldier um uh any more any any final final words on this kick-ass action flick no, other than it's a kick-ass action flick, and everyone everyone should see it. And if you have seen it, watch it again. You ain't yeah. gonna be disappointed. And if if we spoil some stuff for you, hey, trust me, it's still worth watching if you like these type of flicks. Damn straight. It just it delivers. It just that's why I was saying. You know, it's hard not to guarantee a good time if you like that kind of shit. I can all but guarantee you, you gonna love it. Yeah, I got one more. Uh, kind of story about Arlovsky <laughs> that uh, hit me, you know, he, like I said, he's started his UFC career in like the early two thousands and he's, he, he just, his most recent fight was only like three weeks ago. He lost uh, via submission in the first round, I think. But uh, around the time of that, that Fedor fight I was talking about earlier, you know, after he had left the UFC, um, he had had a trilogy of fights with a guy named Tim Sylvia, uh, who was, uh, him I have heard of. yeah, he, I, I believe Arlovsky won the belt off Sylvia they had a rematch and Sylvia won it back. And then they had a third fight that I think Sylvia also won. I could be wrong because that was all before I really got into MMA, but I think that's how it went. And anyway, they their distaste for each other was personal. They really didn't like each other. <laughs> and um, so once Arlovsky got into this new promotion, I, there was an interview, I believe, with Ariel Hawani, who was like, I guess, the biggest MMA reporter. And it, he uh, interviewed him for his web channel at the time. And he asked... Uh, what Arlovsky thought about Tim Sylvia dating Arlovsky's ex-girlfriend, which was what was going on at the time. And uh, Arlovsky's response in his broken English, you know, as a Belarusian, uh, he said uh, in, in reference to Tim Sylvia, uh, how tastes my big pee-pee? <laughs> <laughs> that was his response, uh, which is was hilarious. And... One of my friends bought me a T-shirt from Arlovsky's website that was like a cartoon Arlovsky face that had the who, how taste my big pee-pee <laughs> uh, quote on it. Now I demand a picture of you in it. <laughs> I must see. Uh, I think I've got a picture because I uncovered that shirt a few months ago and sent my buddy that bought it for me a picture of it. So I'll, if I can find that, if I've still got that picture on my phone, I'll send it to you. Nice. And then I met him at Chicago Wizard World around that same time. And, uh, you know, just had him sign a UFC book that I had. And he was taking, like, face-off photos with people, which was kind of cool. So, big fan of his. Glad uh, he got some money for these uh, Universal Soldiers movies. <laughs> Indeed. So, we didn't talk much about Dolph Lundgren, who really wasn't in this movie that much. He basically just showed up to kill a few people and then had the fight with <laughs> Van Damme. But in pre- preparation for this episode, for our top three this month, I asked for your top three Dolph Lundgren movies. So, uh, I've got a top three. Do you want me 
to go first, or you got your top three ready? No, go ahead and go first. I didn't. I don't really have them in any specific order, but uh, my top three for Dolph. Obviously, I got to throw Rocky Four in there, uh, which is where he, you know, what, what made him famous as the as the Russian cyborg, basically <laughs> that mm-hmm. killed Apollo Creed and then tried to kill Rocky. Um, Rocky Four is really super cheesy. Uh, it's fun. I don't, you know, most people when they think. Who is the best Rocky villain? Most people, I think, say Drago, sure. who Dolph plays. I'm firmly in the Clubber Lang camp. I think he's Ha-ha. the best. I think he's the best Rocky villain. A purist. <laughs> but I also like Drago, and he and Dolph is great in that movie. I was kind of disappointed with Creed 2 when Drago reappeared with his son and his son fought. That movie I just didn't think was that great. I think because I thought Creed was so good, I didn't think it lived up to the first one. But I have but, not uh, seen it yet, but I do have a copy of it that I keep intending to watch. I mean, it's definitely worth seeing. It's just, it's not, it's so much lesser than the first Creed, I think is why I didn't like it as much. Yeah, uh, I'm 100% positive I won't think it's as good as Creed. Because, I mean, <laughs> like you said, that, that movie is one of the best of the Rocky series, period. Mm-hmm. I think it's my third favorite. Yeah, yeah, it's great. The second one is uh, Showdown in Little Tokyo, mm-hmm. which is him and Brandon Lee uh, in a super fun kind of buddy cop movie from, I guess, the early 90s? Uh, 91, yeah. 91, yeah. Which I saw a few times as a kid on HBO, and then I didn't see again until you let me use your voodoo. <laughs> <laughs> and I found it on there four or five years ago and watched it again, and it was it held up great. He randomly jumps over a car. Does a, sorry, uh, he does a flying kick over a car. Goddamn right uh, he does. Really fun movie. And uh, the third flick for my top three Dolph Lundgren movies, Dark Angel, a.k.a. I Come in Peace, which is a Christmas movie. <laughs> And I will be watching it, I'm sure, this uh, December at some point. Not a great movie, but very fun where Dolph Lundgren and his partner Brian Ben-Ben fight an alien that shoots razor-sharp CDs at at them. Also has uh, Jay Billis, (laughs) the college basketball commentator, as an alien as well. Because he's fucking huge. (laughs) and has just an insane amount of explosions in it uh and i love it so that's my top three that's a perfectly respectable top three uh (laughs) especially since uh, mine has two oh okay that are the exact same i was gonna put rocky four in there because you know like you said it kind of has to but because it's almost such a goes without saying kind of movie Mm -hmm. um in his filmography i'm i'm not gonna include it Instead, I will include, uh, I'll add a, an honorable mention for, it, it's a, also was a backdoor pilot for a TV show, and it did not get picked up, so they turned it into a made-for-TV movie called Blackjack, directed by the greatest action movie director of all time, John Woo. Mm. See, so, I had never heard of this, and I saw you shout it out on Twitter years ago, and I've still never actually seen it. But I believe it was on Prime at that time. Because, yeah, when I saw that, it, I rewatched it the moment I could. It came out on VHS. That's how long ago it was. <laughs> it came out on VHS, and I had heard about it, but because it didn't get picked up, I don't know that USA ever played it. They may have, like, once. But anyway, they put it out, and I rented it. I was like, holy fuck, this is so much fun. It's not, like, the greatest thing ever. But you get to see Dolph do John Woo action, you know, mm-hmm. dual wielding shit. And it's it's badass. It's a lot of fun. So that's going to have to be my uh, my my honorable mention. And if you can still rent it, it it's definitely worth like $2.99 or $3.99 to rent. Like we're back in Hollywood video <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. 
you know, it seems like it's something that would be on like Tubi or Pluto on demand. But I, who knows? I will actually look that up. But yeah, I would have to say that after that, um, I really like his his Punisher movie. Mm. I think in its way, it is like the least like the Punisher that I think of. And I don't know the comics the way you do. I will 100 percent admit that. <laughs> You know, because in your head, you might be like, motherfucker, it's the most actually loyal <laughs> to like what the comics were at the time that the movie came out. I don't know about any of that. What I do know is that it feels the most like the comics I grew up reading of all the the, the Punisher stuff that's come out. And it's just, you know, he's kind of like playing like some old like rockabilly greaser guy. You know, mm. it looks like, you know, with like the, the stubble and the black hair and the the leather jacket and shit. But as like, you know, a criminal murdering psychopath, it's just it's it's fun bullshit. I enjoy it. And I like the way he did it because he's just, you know, he's very imposing. He's playing it kind of weird, naked in the sewers. What the fuck? You know, <laughs> um, I dig that. Movie. I, I really enjoy uh, that Punisher. Movie. And then it would have to be I Come in Peace or as it is actually was supposed to be titled Dark Angel. I know it is I Come in Peace because that's what it was on HBO when I was a kid and I watched it. That's what it was for all of us for years. Right. It wasn't until I bought it, uh, the Screen Factory Blu-ray, that I was like, oh, this was actually called Dark Angel? No shit. But yeah, that one's just so much fun. It's so stupid. <laughs> it's so stupid. And it plays it like it's not. And I, But it, I mean, it also kind of knows. So there's a little bit of winking at itself. But it's like a fucking seven foot tall alien bodybuilder drug dealer. <laughs> comes to earth to harvest like what is it like a it's like a chemical in human a chemical brain, from human like brains. a gland in our body and they use that to do some kind of heroin type shit for aliens and it's like what the fuck <laughs> and then he starts firing cds out of his arm cannon and you're like what is this glorious bat shittery and Dolph gets to kick some people and, you know, he's he's playing an interesting character and in that you think he's like this meathead cop. But it's like, oh, no, he's actually got a really nice apartment and like is cultured <laughs> and what, you know, and Ben Ben is is one of the most annoying, nebbishy, sidekick, <laughs> smart ass fuck alls that you've ever seen. And you just really hope that people keep punching him in the face and he gets yeah. you know fucked up a couple of times, which is enjoyable. Still can't believe that dude married Madeline Stowe. I'll never get. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. For, He's basically like a less funny Rob Schneider. Kind of. That's yeah. actually being too mean to him, I think. <laughs> I, I think it might be. He was really good in the HBO show Dream On. Yeah. I don't know if you I remember watch that. that for movies sometimes. When I was <laughs> <still>. <laughs> actually, I just saw he is still married to Madeline Stowe. They have been married since 1982. Hey, those kids are going to make it. You know what I'm saying? And, you know, nice pull, bro. She's... Mm -hmm. That's Madeline Stowe. <laughs> anyway, yeah, I Come in Peace is just a ton of fun. Craig Baxley, another guy that I wish had made a million action movies, but I guess we just have to do with, uh, what's the order? Started with Action Jackson, then Stone Cold, and then I Come in Peace. And that was it? He also did some, he did Storm of the Century and Rose Red Stephen King miniseries yeah. adaptations. But as far as like the ass-kicking action movies, he did those three in a row, and I think that's pretty much it. But really, when you make those three, what else, I mean, what else do you have to prove? You know what I mean? The, I mean, yeah. those movies are classics for a reason. I Come in Peace is great. My number one is Showdown in Little Tokyo. I got to see that in the theater. And that movie is sleazy, exploitation-filled, just horseshit. 
and I love every solitary second of it. It's so sleazy. I mean, I remember when I saw it in theaters, I was a teenager and, you know, a lot of the the lurid aspects of it, you know, ooh, boobies and decapitations. This is exciting. Even so, there's a scene where Carrie Hiroyuki Tagawa, like, is going to kill this chick. But before he kills her, it's like, oh, let's get her topless first. <laughs> and then I'm going to cut her head off from behind. Mm. And it's like, kind of gross. Yeah. But that's just... That's how that movie gets down. And there's tons of fights and explosions and there's car chases and a big sumo wrestler looking motherfucker getting stabbed in a fucking <laughs> bathhouse and getting a hose pumped in his shit. It, it, that movie's wild. And it has the immortal line where they're about to go to, to battle. And before they do, Brandon Lee is compelled to tell Dolph Lundgren, <laughs> you have the biggest cock I've ever seen on a man. And it's like, thank you. You think Dolph demanded that be in the script? He wrote that in his contract. I think it's 50 50. (laughs) It could have gone either way. You know, it also could have been, you know, they were, you know, getting ready to shoot and they were in some locker room type situation. And Brandon Lee was like, oh my God. I was like, we have to immortalize this. I have to say that in a film. Jesus Christ. I don't know, but it's, it's great. Mark L. Lester, the great, another B-movie journeyman exploitation auteur. Well, not auteur, but he was, <laughs> I love Mark, Mark L. Lester's movies. Yeah. Fucking showdown in Little Tokyo, bro. You just can't. For that 1991 kind of thing. And again, I, I, I reiterate, we used to live in a real country. I saw that in theaters. <laughs> I saw that in a movie theater, man. Yeah, yeah I thought that was a direct-to-video movie for a long, or a direct-to-HBO movie for a long time before I realized it was actually a theatrical. Yeah, I think only like 300 of us know because I think only <laughs> 300 of us saw it. But all of us that saw it fucking love it. I'll tell you that. Yeah, no, it, it's it's Showdown in Little Tokyo is just a blast, and it's hard for me to pick anything else. But I mean, I I tend to find Dolph a really appealing presence in most anything these days. Uh, I just rewatched a couple of weeks ago one he did with uh, the great. A horror B movie director Mike Mendez called "Don't Kill It." You ever seen that? Is that the one you told me about that has the girl from Halloween? Yes, Zombies Halloween. I forget. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I have not seen it. Between the time I brought that up to you when we were talking about the zombie movie, and now I've rewatched that, and I forgot how one hundred percent actively gory splattery that movie is it is a gore fest and it's wonderful i don't think Dolph kicks or hits anybody it's not that kind of movie he's playing right. like a, a demon hunter kind of guy what uh did you were you able to stream that somewhere or do you have it well when i originally saw it when it first dropped uh in the early 2010s uh or maybe the mid i don't know maybe 2014 it was on netflix but the reason I saw it again was because uh, I was looking on Voodoo and it was one of their weekend deals for like four ninety nine. And I was like, oh, hell yeah, that was a good time. I'll fucking pay five bucks for that. <laughs> and just rewatching it the one time, I feel like I've gotten my money's worth. <laughs> it was at least worth the five dollars I paid for it. So I will get more than that because I'll definitely be watching it again. It's fun. Nice. It's a lot of fun. Dolph, Dolph is just great. Have you ever seen any of the ones he's directed? Because like in the in the mm-hmm. 2000s, he did quite a few. Not that I'm aware of. There's one called The Defender that might have been his first. He's like a Secret Service agent. And of all people, Jerry Springer is the president, I think. Oh, my God. I'm almost positive it's Jerry. <laughs> but it's a it's a really squib-happy, uh, it's kind of like a diehardy type, type thing. He's the Secret Service guy, and they're at some hotel or something for uh, some speech or some shit like that, and terrorists take over, or he gets kidnapped or some bullshit. I've only seen it the one time, but I really had fun while I was watching it. A lot of people get shot. Cool. Yeah, his uh, the the stuff he's directed has been 
real meat and potatoes, but he knows how he's like, they want me to hit people and they want me to shoot people. <laughs> I will give them that. And he does. Solid. And of course, we can't forget that he was an Aquaman. Oh, yeah. Forgot. <laughs> Forgot about that. Yeah. Fuck yeah. Indeed, he was. Indeed, he motherfucking The billion was. dollar grossing Aquaman. Oh, and I almost forgot. He he recently directed one with him and Scott Atkins called Castle Falls. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. You know, a kind of a victim of COVID. It's like mostly one location. There's not a lot of cast members in it. But Atkins gets some good fights in. Lundgren whips up on a couple of people. He directed and stars in it. It's him and, and Scott Atkins. It's good. I really liked it. So and, I'll stop uh, babbling now. <laughs> oh, you're good. Uh, Blackjack is on Pluto, by the way. <laughs> yes, I saw that it was on Pluto. Definitely, definitely watch that. It's fun. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna try and get that in pretty soon. There um, is no try. <laughs> also, I think it's pretty it's somewhat common knowledge among cinephiles anyway that Dolph Lundgren is also like a genius. Uh, he has uh, degrees in what like biochemistry and I don't I'm not sure what all, but super smart dude. He went to he got a master's degree in chemical engineering from the uh, University of Sydney, and after that. He was awarded a Fulbright scholarship to MIT. And yeah, he's not a dummy. <laughs> like it, it, he could not be the opposite of that more. He's, mm. he's apparently a brilliant, brilliant human being, <laughs> uh, which is great that he's like yeah. this giant, like physically gifted, like I will kick your face, <laughs> you know, and his kicks look good too. There he, because he's so big, he moves a little slower. But mm-hmm. he, he yeah. he's very clear he's an athlete. You know what I mean? And it looks like when he hits you, it fucking hurts. Yeah. <laughs> which is really the most important thing in an action movie. Like, can you sell that it hurts? Because if you can, I buy it. You know, I'm into it. <laughs> yeah. How did him and Thomas Ian Griffith never uh, face off in a movie? <laughs> in the in the 90s heyday of, of those two in direct-to-video action and made-for-TV action movies. <laughs> That's a really interesting idea. I, I don't know why. <laughs> I've been, over the last year or two, it pops up in my head. And I think I, I looked for it and could find a, a DVD, but I was kind of mad I couldn't find a Blu-ray that that was uh, all region or region one. So I'm, I'm holding out that some label will give us the gift of excessive force. <laughs> yeah. Now that one we can't, I mean, unless we do it just because we're fucking, you know, shit asses who just want to do it and break <laughs> our own rules, which I think we totally could because I, I'm positive a lot of people only ever saw it on video. I think that had a small theatrical run. Uh, I know it's a new line movie. I uh, do you know that. He's got a couple of his movies on Tubi, like Cracker Jack. Ah, really <laughs> Die Hard on the Mountain. I saw that yeah. shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he had another one that I'd watched on YouTube maybe a year or two ago that I can't recall the name of. It was also quite bad, but uh, fun in a way as well. But I'm a fan of Thomas C. Ingram. Yeah. Uh, another big, big man. Like he's probably like 6'4", six, 6'5". Six, and another one that looks like when he kicks you, it's like this, it's like his leg unfolds as it's yeah. coming forward. You know, it's like this long, huge thing that takes forever to get to you. But when it does, it like just swings you through a window. It's great. But yeah, I guess that's that's it for the top three Dolphs. We we ended up with basically the same list, except you also had <laughs> Punisher on yours as uh, our old mission. I just I really like, love it. You know, I liked the Punisher movie uh, when I was a kid. I haven't watched it in over two decades, I'm sure. But I do want to see it again. If it ever pops up on a streaming service again, I'll, I'll probably check it out. But as far as being close to the comics, it's probably not any less close than the Tom Jane <laughs> version, which I kind of like. And, you know, we disagree, I think, on 
Warzone movie, which I don't think is very good, but I do think Ray Winstone is, or is it Ray Stevenson? Yeah. I do think Ray Stevenson is an incredible Punisher. Uh, I just don't think that movie is very good. (laughs) Bernthal is probably the best Punisher, even though, even in that, even with Marvel Studios behind it, essentially, there's some really un-Frank Castle stuff going on in in that movie at times, but it's, it's the best version of the Punisher. I think it's the TV show. I like it a lot. I love the TV show. I love Warzone. I mostly love the Thomas Jane Punisher, and I really, really dig, and on some days even love the Dolph Lundgren one. They all scratch a certain itch. They're all different itches that they scratch. They go about the same thing in different ways, more or less. You know, let's do a Frank Castle story, and they all have very, very different takes on it by directors that have very distinctly different visions. But I I have fun with all of them, you know. I I have to admit it. I I really do. I'm not going to say I really like it. I do kind of love the Dolph Lundgren Punisher. I do. I do. I'm going to be honest with myself and the world, with all of you. I do. I kind of love it. I think I remember most from from that one is him naked in the sewer. And so stupid. (laughs) That he he fights ninjas and the bad guy from the fugitive is in it. (laughs) Yes, playing a mob boss in America because (laughs) that's that's who I would fucking cast as Jerome Crab. Sure. But yeah, it's the the ninja stuff. There's a scene in like this weird indoor carnival thing with like a a round spinning shit and the the slides that the, the ninjas are coming down and he's firing off his shoddy and it's oh my god. Yeah. It's it's supremely watchable bullshit. I'm not going to say that to many people it would be anything they would consider good. Because I think to most people it's like, this is horrible. But I love the taste of it. <laughs> I just think it's great. No judgment here. Thank you. Uh, there's uh, a couple of trailers that have dropped semi-recently I was going to ask you about. I'm sure you've seen at least one of them being John Wick 4. I saw uh, the trailer for the trailer. Oh, you haven't actually seen the full trailer? No, I mean that whole, like, nowadays they'll do like four seconds right. at the beginning where you get right. like about six shots and then it goes, official yeah. trailer, starting now. <laughs> when, when the fuck did that happen, Chris? I don't know, I but know. it's annoying. I hate it. It's a trailer yeah. for the trailer. It's like, you already got me to click on this thing. You, right. Like, exactly. I know what I'm here for. I know what I'm about yeah. to watch. Play a mini trailer for another movie before yeah. this. Yeah, anything. do that. <laughs> I mean, that would be annoying, but much less annoying. At least yeah. that I would understand. It would make sense, at least. Yeah. Like, watching those six frames, it would make me go, you know what? I want to watch the whole trailer <laughs> of that one. I'll do that after I'm done with the one I already chose. Anyway, yeah, I've, I've, yeah, fucking A, I've seen John Wick. No, the trailer, the trailer. And can't, uh, yeah, it looks really great. Home. I think we've talked about John Wick before. I kind of think that they've gotten a little less entertaining with each one. I think that's mostly because I think the first one keeps it more simple. There's an interesting world that they don't give away too much, but the more they explore it in the sequels, I think the sillier it gets and the less interested I am in it. But the action in those movies is so incredible that I still love the movies. <laughs> the first one is still my favorite. But um, yeah, the fourth one looks incredible. And Donnie Yen being involved is just oh. unbelievable. And I saw the trailer before I went to see Wakanda Forever and they showed the trailer in the theater and the trailer seemed to be almost exactly the same, except the, the version I saw on YouTube had a longer sequence of Wick versus, you know, whatever Donnie Yen's character is, mm-hmm. which is weird to me. Like, why did they cut some of that out for the theatrical trailer? That just makes sense. Trying to uh, tease us. Yeah. But man, it looks, it looks kick-ass. I'm excited. Yeah. It, I cannot agree with you more. I'm here for it. I've been here for it. Um, I, you know, as you noted, I have a differing view on the movies. I love the first one. All three of them are five star. 
And I saw, you know, the moment I saw the first one in the theater, because I saw the preview for that, and I was like, I, that's something I'm going to have to go to the theater for. Mm-hmm. You know, it feels like the kind of movie I'm missing in movie theaters these days, that yeah. specific kind of action movie. And it was, turns out, it was that and more. It was exactly that movie I was missing, and a lot of us were missing, apparently. But I think they have gotten better, because I have the correct point of view on them. <laughs> uh, sorry, <laughs> can't help it. But no, and I understand what you mean about it getting, you know, maybe it being a bit much for some people, but that world being so distinctly specific and weird uh, in a way that, well, not weird, but just different, kind of like an alternate universe kind of thing, because cops don't seem to exist in that <laughs> right. in, in John Wick, except for the one who showed up at his house <laughs> and acknowledged that there's dead people there and said, cool, have at it, bro. I'm yeah. not going to fuck with you. And everything else just kind of. I don't want to be thrown on the pile. So you guys do what you got to do. <laughs> exactly. But, you know, they're killing people in broad daylight or like, you know, in a busy train station or something. And most people don't really seem to acknowledge it. Really? Yeah. It's this weird world where this is normal and in the first movie it felt like it was kind of happening like just out of sight like this is the hidden world that blade was talking about you know the world underneath it and in the other ones it kind of it doesn't feel as hidden it feels Mm -hmm. like it just coexisting with like that's just how the world is (laughs) yeah but i think that that intrigued a lot of people and that's i i think it is giving a lot of people what they want and i don't mean to say they're right and you're wrong or anything like that (laughs) because your your views on that are completely valid but i know that after that came out people were like whoa and the gold coins and the whole the hotel for assassins and wow Mm. that fucking world is nuts and they really expanded on it and a lot of people seem to i know i was like wow this shit's cool it does seem very comic booky to me. And again, not a slam. I don't mean that as a, it just feels like right. the kind of thing that would be the world of a comic book with this super assassin and a world full of super assassins. You know, they're all great until they come up against John Wick. <laughs> but yeah, I, I think they've gotten progressively better. And it's not because of the world to me. I think the action is better in every single one. At least it, it is to me. And this one looks like it's probably going to continue doing that i think this one you know it, it, just based on the trailer alone it, i have to think they're not going to fuck it up you know mm-hmm. and as long as they don't fuck it up you've got john you've got john wick and donnie yen as long yeah, as you don't fuck I that mean, up yeah. I, how, how am i not going to think that's the best it's yeah. donnie yen <laughs> yeah know? and i thought you know having mark Dacascos was oh which was great and yes. the third one. But like, and it made me so happy. That, even better. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And we got Scott Adkins in there somewhere who we haven't seen in the trailer. But I mean, fuck yeah, yeah Scott Adkins. Clancy Brown showing up just because. Yeah. You sprinkle some of my magic Clancy Brown sauce on your movie. Make it better. <laughs> yeah, dude. That's what we fucking hire you for. It's like, oh, the movie's great. But here's here's Clancy Brown. And now it's a little better. <laughs> That's just what he does. But yeah, I just, I can't see how it's not going to be absolutely fantastic one of the best action movies of the year you just kind of expect it and maybe that's unfair but the other movies did it man it's their fault it's their fault (laughs) this looks like more of that great 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 shit but but to your point about dacascos i do just want to say it made me so happy to see other people happy that mark dacascos was in something Mm -hmm. because it always felt like he was he was only beloved not not even that he was a secret but like you know there was just if you knew about Mark Dacascos and loved Mark Dacascos movies, and most of us would say like Drive, uh, Only the Strong, or like Let's Go Hard with Brotherhood of the Wolf, you know? We felt like a special little club, the ones who knew about how 
badass that dude yeah. was. Oh, and Crying Freeman. Can't forget Crying Freeman. But then it, it comes out and people are like, oh my fucking God, this is great. And then you have people going and finding those movies. People who have never seen Drive before, they're like, holy shit, how did this one get past me? And, you know, it, it's not the same, but it's similar. A lot of people didn't know who Donnie Yen was. Yeah. Which is less forgivable <laughs> to me. Those people needed to be smacked. But they learned when Rogue One came out and he played Shirit. And they were like, who's that fucking guy? Because just that scene where he whips up on the stormtroopers with the staff, they're like, is there another movie where he does that? Preferably a more extended <laughs> version of it, like throughout the movie. Oh, there are. Oh, there's lots of them. I must see those movies. And they went out and they watched them and seeing them like, oh, my God, Donnie Yen. How did I miss him? That's what is great about this kind of stuff. It leads people to people like the Cascos. And there will be people who still don't fucking know Donnie Yen. And John Wick 4 will get him watching it. It'll get him watching Scott Atkins movies. Which is in no way ever, ever, ever a bad thing for humanity <laughs> as a fucking whole. So, yeah, yeah, man, I'm so stoked about John Wick 4. Sorry I fucking vomited all over you like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they have Donnie Yen in this one. Is there a way to go up? Would it be, like, even a bigger get if oh. they're, yo, John Wick 5, Jet Li? Yeah. <laughs> I think Jet Li is... He's more famous, so that yeah, would... That's really what it is. Yeah. If you made me pick, I'd pick Donnie Yen. Yeah. But that's not to say that Jet Li is not my fucking Jet Li. <laughs> you want to put Jet Li in the movie even now. Because, I mean, I haven't seen him in anything for years and years. Yeah. And I don't even know if he can fight on screen anymore. Maybe he's, you know, just, I have no idea. But if they're like, Jet Li's going to be in our movie and he's going to fight. Bro, you could not keep me from that theater. <laughs> You, you could not. Same thing if they were like, we're going to do it with Jackie Chan. Now, I don't know how that would work because Jackie Chan in the world of John Wick, I don't know. Because Jackie's got such a specific style. Right. And even The Foreigner, which I loved, you know, Old Man Yeah, Sam that was really Jackie. cool. I liked that movie a lot. Yeah, it, that proves he could do it. But it's not like The Foreigner came out and changed the world. Yeah. You know what I mean? People still think of Jackie as the Jackie that we all know and love. You know, the the mugging martial arts whirling dervish, dervish meets Buster Keaton. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, you could go up with Jet Li or Jackie Chan. I don't think bringing in someone like Arnold or, you know, you if, if you do it, Statham. They could do that, but it wouldn't be the same. You could do it with Statham. Yeah, that would be cool. Yeah, Because he, he can fight, too. Arnold and, and Sly, as much as they whip ass and have knocked a great many people out in movies over their career, they weren't known for like insane choreography or the MMA type stuff that like, they were just brutes basically. Yeah. <laughs> just uh, overpower people. So yeah, out of the younger guys that are still able to fight, I would say Statham. You could go Statham if, if you have to, because <laughs> <laughs> I do think they're going to do one more. I think the plan is to do five and that's going to be it. But after Atkins, man, I don't, yeah. Adkins and Yen, I don't know how you top that unless you do yes. go the Jet Li Statham route, which they might. Fuck it. You know, I, 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 I would be very cynical about it if they were like, we're going to bring The Rock in. I'd be, uh, <laughs> no, and not that I hate him or anything. I, I enjoy mm -hmm. him fine. I would still be like, mm, you sure you really want to do that? Do you really want to put The Rock <laughs> in your John Wick peanut butter? I don't know if I like what I smell cooking. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I, I would still watch it, but uh, mm. prefer jelly. <laughs> oh, sure. Uh, the other one I was going to ask you about, and this one actually, I didn't realize it until, I guess, today or yesterday, that the movie is already on HBO Max. But uh, I watched the trailer for A Christmas Story Story, is that the name of it? A Christmas Story Christmas. And I was pretty underwhelmed, but I do love the original. Did you see that trailer? You heartless Grinch bastard. <laughs> 
I have heard no. that the movie is actually good from what I've seen people talking about on like Facebook groups I'm in and stuff. But I thought the trailer wasn't very good. But I'll still watch it because that was a movie that that's one of my dad's favorite movies. We used to watch it every Christmas when I was a kid. We still watch it occasionally on Christmas. So I'm sure, you know, whenever we do Thanksgiving next week or whatever, we'll probably end up watching it. But right on. Here's how I feel about it. I saw the trailer and it was just like, that looks good, you know, in terms of a nice revisiting of everything. And I, I grew up watching the movie. I moved into town from the country when I was 10. We didn't have cable out of the country. I had, I had VHSs up the ass, but we didn't have cable. I moved to town, we get cable. And lo and behold, in 1985, they're showing the Christmas story, which came out two years earlier on HBO, like it's free. And I fell in love with it. And I have loved it ever since when they started doing it, the 24 hours of Christmas thing. I thought it was great because I would watch it in pieces throughout the day. I'd watch 10 minutes here and go do something. Then I'd sit down the next showing or the showing after that, watch a half an hour. And I would do that in pieces until by the end of the night, I'd watch the whole thing in total. Then I bought it on Blu-ray and I have watched (laughs) it every year on Christmas since then. I love that movie. Love it. It's, it's, It's my favorite Christmas movie. It just is. I watched A Christmas Story Christmas last night with Tiff, and it's wonderful, man. Cool. Because we're older now, it -hmm. almost feels, I mean, I think it's appealing in a way that, like, kids would probably dig it. People who didn't grow up with the original movie will probably dig it. But the ones who saw it as a kid, the original, we've, you know, we we may not be in our early 50s like Ralphie is. Because I think Ralphie's supposed to be like 50, 51 or whatever. Peter Billingsley is two or three years older than me, regardless. But I'm about, you know, I'm around there. And it feels like now the original was told through the the kid's perspective. And this one is, Ralphie's still the main character, but now he's the old man. He's dad. And he's in charge of, of providing a great Christmas for his family. And the shift in perspective really affects you if you grew up with it the way a lot of us did. And are now in Ralphie's shoes. Um, But it's just, it's still, even with that shift in perspective, it's got the same heart. And it's still kind of goofy and funny. The the dream sequences, his his little fantasies, they're there, man. He's still doing that shit. And Peter Billingsley is, is really good. And he does the narration like Gene Shepard, the author of the original Parker Family Stories and stuff. He did the narration of the original movie as adult Ralphie. Peter Billingsley is it's clear he's trying to capture a similar intonation. He's not yeah. trying to sound exactly like the guy, but there's like a vibe, yeah. a feeling of the guy telling you this story. It's great, man. Like I was smiling within five, 10 seconds of it starting. And either I was smiling or I was laughing or I was trying not to get emotional because it does get a little emotional. And it makes you remember not just nostalgia, but the people that you shared those important Christmases with and, and the loved ones that maybe aren't here anymore or, you know, all of that stuff that comes with getting older. And the movie doesn't pound that in an uncomfortable kind of way where you're like, oh, my God, like I didn't know it was going to be fucking sad fest up in here. But it doesn't shy away from it and it, and it embraces it. And I just... It, it's exactly what it needed to be for me. It does not shit on the original in any way. It's clear that it's made by people who have a great love for what the first one did and what it means to people. And they're really trying to give you that same vibe. And I'm going to, I'm going to keep watching it. I'm going to watch it come Christmas. I may watch it as soon as 
October, I mean, October, as soon as December starts. I don't know why, but I mentioned Christmas and my brain's like, Halloween, Halloween, that's your favorite <laughs> fucking holiday. Don't cheat on me. Exactly. But I love Christmas and I love a Christmas story. And now I love a Christmas story Christmas. It was just so sweet and fun and funny and full of joy and good cheer. All the good stuff that, that makes you feel good, man. Mm. And, and the people come back. Flick and Schwartz are there, you know, and it's fun to see them going back and forth. And it just, yeah, I, I was just so happy with it. I was just so happy with it. I'm really glad they didn't fuck it up. You yeah. Know? Well, that's I good think, to hear because I was, I wasn't impressed with the trailer, but I knew I would end up watching it. So uh, I'm glad that you liked it. And you should definitely know. watch it with your dad, man. I think that would <laughs> yeah. be, no, I mean, really, because I mean, if that's the experience you had with the original, I think that's what you're going to want. That's how it should be, mm-hmm. you know? I'm pissed off I won't get to see that I didn't get to see a Christmas story Christmas with my mom, you know? <laughs> I wish I had. Uh, I will see her at some point in December, and I hope we'll be somewhere that we will be able to access Fire HBO up. Max. <laughs> I, yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. For sure. Yeah, that's probably, I mean, if not at Thanksgiving, I imagine we'll probably watch it uh, sometime around Christmas. Um, but yeah, I'm excited about it. So that's cool. I'm glad I'm glad you dug it. Oh, yeah, I dug it. It's it's at least four out of five stars for me. Nice. At least. Yeah, it's great. Before we get out of here, uh, we can talk a little bit about what we've been watching lately. We haven't done one of these in a while. Um, Most of the stuff I've got listed for myself is horror movie stuff because it, it was mostly the stuff I watched in uh, in October. But I'll, I'll start with you. What have uh, what have you been watching lately that you want to shout out uh, that I want to shout out like you in October? There was a lot of horror being watched uh, because that's just how you have to do i watch horror year round mm-hmm. but i make sure i i get a good healthy dose of it in my diet come october yeah you i know, tried I'll... to do uh this year i started 50 days before halloween <laughs> and my goal was to do 50 horror movies in 50 days and i came up short i ended up i think at 46 uh, that also. is commendable dude but, you should yeah. not feel shame for that at all you did great really that's a, that's awesome you know how I loved Halloween Ends. I know how you did not believe we'll it. Um, you know, we watched the Scream movies because they're fucking awesome. Rewatched Eyes of Laura Mars, the old mm. 70s one with uh, Faye Dunaway and Tommy Lee Jones that Carpenter wrote the original script for. Right. Kind of an American giallo. And I hadn't seen that in some time. It was great. In fact, after we, we, we watched it on one of the streaming channels and i was like is that on blu-ray and i saw that kino has put it out within the last few years and i was like oh well that's going to be mine and i already have it so um, yeah I that blu-ray like two years ago and it i still haven't watched it yet but <laughs> it's good yeah i i would I, I, I assumed that it was but i just yeah, it's it's definitely good it's a trip yeah it's hard uh, to, I should, it's hard to you know i i you know you i buy a bunch of blu-rays and they tend to pile up and I just kind of forget about stuff. <laughs> you know, I'm finally at the point in my life where I'm doing that. I never used to. It, it used to be if I bought a movie, I had yeah. to watch it that day. Yeah. I had to. It, I came home, it got unwrapped, and if it wasn't watched immediately, it was watched before I went to bed. If I mm-hmm. bought multiple movies, at least one or two of them had to be watched. But now I don't do that, and I feel like such a loser. <laughs> you know, and not to say you are or anybody else is. It's just I never used to do that, and I feel like I'm doing it wrong now. But it's not. It's just yeah, there's only so way. much that's, time. That's there's only so much time. <laughs> that's a more recent <laughs> development for me too. But yeah. yeah. But we, I got to show Tiff uh, the Descent, mm. the great Neil Marshall movie. I think it's probably the best horror movie between 2000 and 2010. Period. Uh, either that or Cabin in the Woods. And I'm pretty sure it's The Descent. I got to see that. Dagon. I got the the Vestron video Blu-ray line of Dagon, the yeah. 
yeah. Stuart Gordon uh, Lovecraft adaptation, mm -hmm. which I love. That was one I was waiting for, and when it hit VHS, I rented it, and it it must have just been a bad day. My <laughs> ass hurt. I don't know, but I wasn't feeling it. I was like, this is fine, but, you know, I don't ever need to see it again. And years later, I get Shudder, and it's there, and I'm like, yeah, I'll give it another day in court. And I fucking loved it. I was like, what was wrong with me that day? Uh -huh. This is fun. And so I got it on Blu-ray, and I think I loved it even more than I did then. Uh, so that's great. I got to make sure I watched some of the stuff on the Criterion channel, the 80s horror collection they had, like uh, The Keep and Strange Behavior from Australia in the early 80s. That was super cool. Got to watch a really almost no-budget uh, indie horror movie from 83 called The Deadly Spawn. Oh, I've seen uh, that pop up on streaming services before. I've never watched it, though. It's either on Prime or on Shutter. And dude, it looks like it was made for like maybe 10 bucks, but it's such a good time. It's so much fun. They really did work hard on the practical effects, you can tell. And that was such a no-budget little regional movie, you can tell, you know, the kind of thing where it was filmed in one of the producer's family homes and the, the catering company was their aunt. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But the, the, the effects of these little alien fuckers is like, oh, it's so cool. It's a lot of fun. I really dig it, and I will definitely watch it again. As far as other type stuff, I watched Bullet Train and enjoyed that as enjoyable bullshit. All the people that were like, this movie sucks. I was like, did you see the preview? Like, is this almost exactly what it promised it was going to deliver? It, yeah. it It is what it says it was going to be. It didn't lie to you. So I don't know what you fucking thought you were going to get or what you expected, but if you expected anything other than what you got, I mean, you're bad. Fuck up. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> I thought it was fun. Uh, a lot of fun. Um, I got my Screen Factory order in, finally. I ordered that in early October. Mm -hmm. Their Shocktober sale. I was like, yeah, this will be here by Halloween. You know, we'll get to watch some <laughs> of the stuff in October. It didn't get here until the last goddamn week. Right. Same but thing that was for me. I, I was ready for it because I did the same thing like three years ago. I'd put in an order and I was like, oh, well, I got it in mid-November. <laughs> yeah. I understand. They got blasted with a lot more orders than yeah. expected. And it's because the sale was so good, like 50% off almost everything. Yeah. But I got to watch like the 88 movie Bad Dreams with Jennifer Rubin. Um, do you know that one? I do not. A lot of people gave it shit for being kind of like Freddy and, uh, and because Jennifer Rubin was in Nightmare on Elm Street 3 as Taryn. Uh, uh, I'm beautiful and bad. But it's a movie where she's this survivor of a cult that yes. killed themselves and they didn't like drink cyanide or, you know, poison of any kind. No Kool-Aid for them. No, they doused themselves in gasoline and set their oh. shit on fire. I mean, she was the only survivor. She goes into a coma. So she's throughout like the 70s and wakes up in the late 80s in a coma. I mean, from her coma. And she's in like the support group in a hospital for therapy and stuff. And the leader of the cult starts to appear to her in visions. And all the members of the therapy group start killing themselves in weird, unexplainable ways. Hmm. It's pretty fucking cool. Yeah, uh, sounds cool. Yeah, and especially, it's like I was saying with the 90s action movies. To go back and revisit the 80s horror is like, oh... It's just a warm mug of hot cocoa for your horror-loving soul, bro. You know, I haven't seen Bad Dreams since maybe 1994 or 5. And it was like an old friend. I enjoyed it yeah. now more than I ever have. And it ends with Sweet Child of Mine as the end credits song, right? <laughs> you know, before it was even a hit. And it's like, yes, yes, thank you. But yeah, that was cool. And The Mangler. Do you know Toby mm. Hooper's The Mangler? I know of it. I've never actually seen it. That's Robert England's, right? Uh-huh. And Robert England is making some choices in that movie. It's it's hard for me to say it's it's good. <laughs> but it's really easy for me to say if you like certain kinds of horror, it's fucking great. It's the kind of thing that like 
people who love malignant would be like, oh yeah, I get it. You know what I mean? It's it's yeah. it's completely stupid, nonsensical. What the fuckery? And it's it's so much fun. Oh, and uh, another Screen Factory one, and I think I'll just stop with this because <laughs> no, thank uh, you. I don't want to keep going. The Autopsy of Jane Doe. I picked that up in the Screen Factory sale as well because I've never actually seen it, and I hear good things. I had not either. I had heard good things. It was on Shutter's 101 Scariest Movie Moments mm-hmm. that was out. Yeah, I had to fast forward through that because I, I knew my Blu-ray was on its way. So I, had I hadn't ordered mine yet, but that's what made me order it. Yeah. I was like, okay, yeah, I'm sold just by what they're talking about and the, the few clips we get. I, I definitely have to watch it. And it's it's really good. I don't I don't think it completely sticks the landing. The ending is a little bit underwhelming. Like not not in any kind of deal breaker way. It's yeah. just compared to how great the beginning of it is. Or everything up until like the last 15 minutes. And, and again, even then, it's not some kind of like, oh, man, the movie completely <laughs> fucked the dog at the end. And now that's my my final, uh, you know, impression of it. And that kind of colors the whole thing. No, no, it's not like that. The movie is, is really good. It's at least four out of five stars. It's super creepy. It's just really effective. It's just a really effective, creepy as fuck horror movie. Brian Cox and Emile Hirsch are both really good. It's very interesting looking. It's very... Uh, very visually stylish, but not in some kind of overpower the movie kind of way. It's mm-hmm. it's really good. And I lied. I will mention that I got my Criterion <laughs> of uh, Arsenic and Old Lace, the old Frank Capra movie from the 40s, uh, where Cary Grant finds out that his beloved spinster aunts, that everybody, everybody loves them. They're the sweetest ladies. They've been murdering people and oh. burying their bodies in the basement. Nice. And it's hilarious. It's a black comedy. It's a black comedy. And they're doing it to help people. Poor, sad people who just need to be happy. We're we're doing them a service. It's a gift. And they're crazy as shit. It's uh it's wonderful. So yes, yeah, I will stop I'm, there. I will stop there. I've never seen that one. Easy. <laughs> I know that as a reference uh from uh, a comic called Runaways where the one of them has a pet dinosaur and they called her old lace because of her fondness of that movie. <laughs> There's a show too, Runaways. Uh, I saw the first season and they introduced the dinosaur at the end of it. I do not oh. remember it being called Old Lace, but I remember the dinosaur. That's cool. Yeah, I, I watched a couple episodes of that and never went back to it, but I thought it was pretty good what I saw of it. I did like the first season. Yeah, the comic is uh, excellent, at least the first few storylines. It was uh, Brian K. Vaughn who wrote Why the Last Man and um, uh, Saga. A lot of big like indie books or images. You know what? I knew it was a Brian, but if you'd asked me, I would have guessed Brian Michael <laughs> Bendis. Uh, Bendis had a good run. I'm not a big fan of his anymore. But anyway. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, I've spoken the- incorrectly. <laughs> No, I mean he's still very successful, but um, uh, the only other, only one I wanted to comment on 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 your list there, Dagon. Oh, I actually I watched that for the first, first time, time maybe, maybe a year and a half ago. Hit me, what'd you think? I thought it was really cool. I thought it was a little slow, but the it, it redeemed itself for sure in the last fifteen minutes when it got batshit. <laughs> oh, it goes batshit. Yeah. Uh, so I, I ended up really liking it. Yeah. It's not as good as From Beyond or Reanimator. I mean, yeah. you got to say that. Yeah, for sure. But it's, I don't really like Castle Freak. Yeah. It, I'm, that I'm, doesn't really do it for me. It, it makes me, I think it's, it's not. It's gross. <laughs> it's good as opposed to bad, but it it's, yeah, it's, I don't feel good. You know, I feel kind of gross and it makes me sad. It's a deeply, deeply 
depressing movie to me. But Dagon, yeah, I'm I'm glad you dug it. It's interesting that it's in Spain, the the fantastic films little brand any studio that Usna and you know uh, cohorts were doing over in Spain at the time. Um, I'm I'm sure that their already low budget was able to be stretched a little better <laughs> uh, shooting over there. And it had some great practical effects. I, I know. There's another Gordon movie I've never seen that I think it was on Tubi. I, I'm not sure if it still is, but have you ever seen King of the Ants? Yes. Pretty, pretty good. I've heard that it's, I think I listened to a Daily Dead episode a while back where they talked about Gordon movies that are kind of underseen. And that was one that sounded cool, but I've never watched it. I rented that one as soon as it hit VHS because I I knew it was coming from Fango. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Fango wrote, you know, it was it got delayed a number of times. Yes. So I think between the time I read the feature in Fango and the time I was actually able to rent it was like between a year and two years, maybe mm-hmm. more. So you were waiting. Yeah, I was waiting on it because I mean, it's Stuart Gordon, you know, and it sounded interesting because it was they were like, you know, it's still fucked up in a Stuart Gordon movie way, but mm-hmm. this is more of a crime drama. Yeah, that's and what it, they said. It was kind of that, like a noir crime movie. Yeah, and all of that is true, but it's a, a Stuart Gordon noir crime <laughs> drama, and it's gory as shit, and it's disturbing, but it's not disturbing in the way that Castle Freak was to me, mm-hmm. in a way that turned me off. It, it 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 did not make me embrace it. Like, oh yeah, come here and give me some of that sick shit. But I was like, oh god, that's fucked up. What's going to happen next? <laughs> you know, it, it's it's good. I really like it. I really like it. You should definitely give it a shot at least once. Yeah, but it's, it's uh, just no, just no. It's fucked up, bro. It's fucked <laughs> up. That's cool. I can usually handle that. Okay. You ever seen Dolls? No, that's another Gordon one that I'd like to watch, but no, I haven't seen that one yet. Whole different kind of vibe, but I really, <laughs> I dig Dolls. I like most of Stuart Gordon's stuff. Robot Jocks? Yeah. Yeah, I'm a fan of that. I loved that when I was a kid. I uh, uh, watched it for the first time in years. Um, it's been a while now. It's probably about five or six years ago. Uh, me and a buddy watched it, and uh, I think he was less impressed <laughs> because he had never seen it before. Yeah. Uh, but it's a cool movie, yeah. Tiff liked it. I got it. Uh, like Screen Factory put it out on Blue, and I got I got a copy not long after I moved here to Texas, and I showed it to her, you know, all thrilled, like, you're going to love this. And, I, and she liked it. <laughs> she definitely liked it as opposed to not liked it. Yeah. But, you know, I, I would be lying if I said that she was jumping up and down, like, this is one of my new favorites. No. Yeah, I think it was kind of the same with my buddy. I think he kind of thought that the effects, the stop motion effects were cool. You know, he appreciates that kind of stuff, but just overall wasn't a huge fan, I don't think. But I still thought it was pretty, pretty cool. Yeah. I think it's great. Uh, one of one of Gordon's I really want to rewatch uh, that I haven't seen since it premiered on HBO. Maybe we might do it here. I well, I know that's when I first saw it when it was an HBO premiere, like yeah. Full Eclipse and all that shit. Was Space Truckers, um, and I yeah, have never seen it I've never since. Seen that. Yeah. It was fun. It was fun. It was different. Uh, not as different as the wonderful ice cream suit. Uh, <laughs> that that is like really Gordon. Okay, and his I think it was his last one. Stuck. That's mm. his last one. That one's great. I fucking love Stuck. You ever seen that? Never. Stephen Ray and Mina Suvari. Oh, okay. yeah. Like that's one I would actually send you a copy of just to make sure <laughs> it, it's fucking killer. It's it's sickeningly black comedy, but really. And that was his last movie? I think so. Stephen Ray is fantastic. Mina Suvari is in a role that, you know, at the time we were not used to seeing her in. Yeah. She's really good. It's based on a true story, except it we get uh, a satisfying ending instead of the horrible <laughs> sad thing that really happened and yes it was his his last movie in 2007 gotcha. i yeah stuart gordon man fuck yeah maybe at some point on because movies we'll do a little couple of his 
just oh, he deserves it. <laughs> just hell yeah, he do. Stuart Gordon. <laughs> but uh, anything else that you've seen? What did you? Well, maybe we'll get to this more uh, on another episode. But yay or nay on Wakanda? Oh yeah, Wakanda Forever is fucking awesome. <laughs> I uh, I actually have seen it twice already. We <laughs> I watched it the the Thursday you know pre-show last week, and then I went again this Thursday and watched it again. Yeah, I won't I won't go into details. I don't want to spoil anything, but yeah, I I liked it more than Black Panther, which I also loved. So wow. yeah, it's it um it cracked Wakanda Forever cracked my top ten of of the MCU. I, 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 wow. Now that we got to thirty movies, I had to redo my rankings. So uh, yeah, so it it cracked the top ten. So. That's high praise from my comic expert friend. <laughs> yeah, and you know I was excited that they brought uh, Namor finally to the MCU because he I think he was part of the Fantastic Four deal where they couldn't use him because he was considered an FF character. So Fox had the rights to him for until Disney bought Fox or whatever. So I was excited. You know, he obviously I knew he was going to be in it, but it was cool to see him in a movie finally. Um, I, I I I really liked the Submariner as a kid. Yeah. I really liked him a lot. Um, I don't remember why or mm-hmm. specifics about it. I just remember that when I was a kid, I was hella into Namor. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, in, in the comics, he's just like basically a huge dick. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, why I liked it. <laughs> but yeah, just, yeah, he's, he's, I mean, he's one of the first Marvel characters. I believe Marvel Comics number one is the book where Namor fights the original human torch. So it's like uh, a, a, uh, you know, milestone or whatever, but yeah, what kind of is great. Highly recommend as far as the stuff I've been watching lately before I dive into the, like the horror stuff, which is what most of <laughs> most of what I was going to bring up for the first time I watched blowout last week. Oh, what did the, you, uh, De Palma, John Travolta, Nancy Allen, uh, John Lithgow. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I had, you know, I didn't really know what it was about even, but I knew that it's something that got a lot of high praise from, you know, cinephiles and stuff. And I haven't seen, I don't have a ton of De Palma movies that I've actually even seen, but I liked it quite a bit. I feel like I did a disservice to myself because I was looking at my phone part of the time and I feel like that's a movie and probably all De Palma movies are best appreciated when you're paying close attention to all of the crap that goes into it and stuff. Um, you just lost us at least one listener. <laughs> <laughs> Someone out there. Who loves De Palma is like, I will not tolerate such disrespect. <laughs> but yeah, I, I still really like it. it again. You should definitely but, uh, watch it again and give it your complete <laughs> attention. It, it does deserve. I think it's his best movie. I, it's not my favorite. My favorite is The Untouchables, which a lot of hardcore De Palma fans are like, what? Out of all of his movies, that's your favorite? But that's that's the one that entertains me the most. I love it. But Blowout is probably his best film. Blowout is a five-star movie to me. Yeah, it's, it's really good. I'm trying to think of what De Palma movies I've actually seen in it. It might only be that, Carrie, Untouchables, Mission Impossible, Snake Eyes is De Palma, right? Yeah. Scarface? I have seen. I don't like Scarface at all, but I have seen Scarface. What you talking uh, about, man? <laughs> yeah, um, like I was excited to watch it because it has, you know, this big reputation. And I remember it's probably been 20 years, I guess. Uh, early, early days of DVD. I, I watched it and I was like, ah, this I don't this is I don't like this. This is very good. I don't like it. You just go ahead and continue to be wrong, I guess. That's just I, mean, <laughs> hey, I, I know most people love it. Uh, I, I was yeah. just not into it. But as far as the rest of the stuff, I, did we talk about Werewolf by Night? I think so. Yeah, yeah, we did. I think we did on one of our Halloween episodes. Yes, we did. Uh, so, yeah, it was awesome. But um, Loved it. <laughs> other horror stuff. Have you seen The Deep House? Started watching that. Fucked with my wife too much. Had to stop. 
it was freaking her the fuck out. Yeah. I really liked the concept. And for the most part, I thought it worked pretty well. Didn't really like the conclusion. Uh, I won't go into detail because I'm, you know, you may watch it one day, but I definitely will. I was liking it. Yeah. So yeah, I, I did like it. I uh, didn't love it, but um, how about my best friend's exorcism? Did you check that out? I think it was on Hulu. Uh, Amazon Prime, and yes, I did. Oh, what did you think of it? I liked it quite a bit. I think it's a movie that exists. Okay, that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. It's not. It it was disappointing. Yeah. I I had hoped for it to be better. I'd hoped to be more entertained, to have a better time. I wonder if maybe I'm not the audience for it, and not that you are or aren't. It just seems like it would appeal more to, uh, to younger folks yeah. and particularly uh, teenage girls, to be very specific. I think Tiffany enjoyed it more than me because she has been at one point in her life a teenage girl <laughs> and remembers that kind of dynamic and those yeah. kinds of friendships and stuff. But she also was not particularly – it did not blow her skirt up either. It's fine. It, yeah, I it don't know what the reception bad. of it really is as far as for the most part. I, I liked it. I didn't love it. But um, I listened to the audio book maybe a year and a half ago, mm-hmm. which I liked quite a bit. And the movie's fairly close to, to, have you read the book or? I have not. I've only read one Grady Hendrix, uh, the Final Girls Survival Guide or whatever that's called. Mm-hmm. I loved that though. And I do want to read his other stuff for sure. Yeah. Uh, I've, I like uh, his writing. I listened to Exorcism and then um, two others, Horror Store, which I like. The evil Ikea. <laughs> yeah. And then um, what was the other one? Um, was it the Southern Ladies? No, it was the uh, the rock. It, we sold our souls. I think is what it's called. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Sold uh, and I've liked all of them to varying degrees. And right now, I just started listening to the uh, audio book of Final Girl Support Group, which is read by Adrian King, which is, I thought was cool. Bro, <laughs> like I have that in hardcover, but I might have to get a copy of that just to hear Adrian King read it. To me. <laughs> She's read. Uh, but yeah, the movie I thought was pretty close to the book. There were some things like. You know, this is one of the first times where I'm like, oh, the book's way better. <laughs> because <laughs> normally I don't read the book before I watch a movie. You know, that has rarely happened. So in this case, the book was quite a bit better. I did love the implementation of uh, Power Team as characters because, you know, the Power Team are the muscle guys, like the Christian strong men who would do feats of strength, like rip a phone book in half and stuff. Uh, Jesus. That I would see a lot on, like... You know, they, I never went to like a performance or anything, but I knew who they were because of the they were on, you know, the Christian network, you know, station when I was a kid all the time. And so just seeing like that referenced in a book and then a movie was like, this is insane. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I, I did like it. I don't know that it's one that I would watch over and over, but I, I enjoyed it uh, for the most part. Beyond the Gates, I watched that again Killer. in October. That movie I've always felt like is an R rated. Are you afraid of the dark episode? So I love it. (laughs) Have you seen that one? Uh, I have. I have. I really like it. And I, and that's not uh, an inaccurate uh, description. (laughs) Uh, I really, but I mean, you know, uh, indie horror stalwarts, uh, Graham Skipper and uh, Mm -hmm. Chase Williamson, especially. And then of course, you know, the legend, Barbara Crampton Uh, and Bria Grant is in that too. I think, right. Yeah. Yeah. I fucking love her. She's great. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I really liked it a lot. Like a lot. So good on you. Way to go. Yeah. I, I uh, I think I rented it on VOD when it first came out, and then you know shortly thereafter I had to get the Blu-ray. So <laughs> I've watched it a handful of times uh, since then. I know I got to see it on Netflix or something, and I've watched it a couple of times streaming. There was a movie on Shutter I'd never heard of that I kind of watched on a whim one night called The Collingswood Story. Have you 
seen or heard of that movie? It sounds familiar for some reason, but I can't I can't specify. So it's like a very early found footage. Not even found footage. Like I'm trying to think of the term. It's like a host where it's like filmed. It's like you're watching people interact via the Internet. Mm-hmm. So 2002. And so, yeah, it's basically a girl who's moved to a new town is like video, like web chatting with a guy from her hometown. And then she finds out. I think they they try to con they contact a medium like that does like internet seances and stuff. Mm-hmm. So it's very similar to host, I guess, in that in that sense. And then creepy things start happening. So it's very it's not a I mean it's not a very good movie, I guess, because like the acting's not very good. It was clearly made independently, but it was pretty groundbreaking, I guess, for the way they were using the internet and like webcams and stuff to tell like a horror story. It, it, it was worth watching. And I don't know if it's still on Shutter or not, but they kind of talk about it being almost like a lost movie for a long time because I guess it was out of print and then Shutter got the rights to it and put it up. But I ended up really liking it, um, even though I could see somebody saying that somebody criticizing it for being boring and the acting being bad. But seeing like a, a, a late 90s, early 2000, like Internet, it, there was like a nostalgia factor in it as well, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> Two more and then I'll be done. I got VHS 99. Have you watched that yet? I haven't. I haven't. What? I want you. I haven't seen the last one that fucking right. printed on Shutter because I'm a loser. <laughs> well, I had mentioned 94 on another episode, which I thought 94, I rewatched that again in October. I like that one a lot more than 99. Oh. Um, 99 had some good segments as well, but I preferred uh, 94. And I also started up VHS Viral, which I thought I had never seen. <laughs> and I realized like, oh, I, I fucking have seen this. I watched it, I guess, when it came out and I forgot about it because it's not very good. <laughs> but um, I think VHS Viral has... One segment, I didn't even finish it once I realized I'd already seen it, but I think there's a segment in that one that I do like where a guy re, uh, finds a portal to like an alternate universe. Um, but yeah, VHS viral, not very good. Uh, last one I got, and I'm actually interested to hear your thoughts on the first one, if you, even if you haven't seen the second one. Assuming you've seen the first one. Uh, I watched Terrifier 2. Uh, have you seen either of the Terrifier movies? I have not. I really, really dislike them. <laughs> <laughs> I only watched the second one because uh, a friend of mine really wanted to watch it. And uh, my brother told me he had gotten a one month subscription to whatever that there's like another shutter. I think it's called Screenbox, Maybe it's like another horror yeah. streaming service. And they are they had Terrifier, too. And he told me he got a month subscription. So so I watched the second Terrifier just because my buddy wanted to and I uh, didn't like it. Didn't like the first one. Um, it's just really gross. And I I do kind of like Art the Clown as like a slasher villain. He looks creepy. He acts kind of creepy. But I just find the movies gross and not that entertaining. <laughs> and I won't go into too much detail in case you end up watching. Uh, there was a specific thing in the first one that really turned me off and made me decide I don't like, you know, those movies at all. But um, that's pretty much all I got for recent stuff. Anything left unsaid before we roll out of here? I really like Barbarian. Oh, yeah. I was going to ask you about that. <laughs> Let's throw up a spoiler warning just in case anybody hasn't seen Barbarian yet. Because sure. I want to talk to you about it. And this is the last thing we're going to cover before we get out of here. Before we do uh, that, I do want to say I don't. And then I can say this without spoilers. The interesting thing about the whole not even giving spoilers is that every once in a while something happens. Most of the time people are assholes. But every once in a while, it's like everybody, uh, the majority of people kind of, we all kind of agree on this little social contract that we're not going to spoil this one. And you never know which one it's going to be. You never know why. But for whatever reason, 
barbarian very quickly became one where it's like, don't look up anything about it. Just go see it or whatever, you know, how yeah. just just see it. Don't try to read anything about it. Don't try to learn anything about it. Don't listen to anything anyone says. Just watch it. And with with Barbarian, I don't think that the movie itself, there's one scene in particular we can talk about when we go past the spoiler wall. Okay. That is something that, no, I've not seen in a movie before. Very specifically, I have not seen that. But I have not seen all movies. Maybe it's in another. <laughs> I don't know. What I do know is the the story itself, the, the directions it takes, and, and the, the kind of story you realize you've been watching when it ends. In the broadest strokes, it's not something I've never seen before. It didn't like make me go, oh my God, this is a whole new kind of horror movie. No, it's just a kind of horror movie you didn't know you were watching when it starts. Yeah. You know what I mean? And because of that, it's more rewarding as a viewer to not know where it goes. And it reminds you that back in the day when we didn't know every fucking thing <laughs> about a movie, a year before it came out, we didn't know every costume or every makeup look or design or that this person is in it or whatever the fuck. It was a lot more rewarding to to to, to experience it as it was happening. Mm-hmm. And I think Barbarian, by the nature of how it's told, it's just more effective when you don't know where it's going. Yeah. When you get to the end of it and you look back at where you've been, you go, okay, yeah, it's not that I've never been down these kind of pathways before, but I didn't know that was the pathway I was going to be taken. So, wow, what a pleasant Mm -hmm. surprise that it's weird and fucked up in this way. So I I think that the whole spoiler thing has just... I think it's also been a detriment for a small number of people because most people seem to enjoy it. But a lot of people are like, that's the movie that everyone's fucking saying is so great and watch (laughs) it without seeing anything about it. Like go in as cold as possible. Really? That one? That movie ain't nothing, man. That ain't nothing special. That movie sucks. Most people, though, are like, you know what? This is pretty cool, man. I didn't know it was going to go that way. It's fucked up. (laughs) <laughs> so yeah i and and that's that's me i think it's a really good horror movie. i i really think it's done really well i think the acting is really good yeah i think it's just really effective and and uh, it's a horror movie a horror movie like yeah. you're watching you're like oh, oh, oh fuck that <laughs> so that's that's my thoughts on it in the overall without any sp- mm. and i think that's cool that it worked out the way it did and that i appreciate when people in the main, we'll all kind of band together and be like, we're not going to fuck this up for anybody else, okay? Yeah. Right? You? Very you, rare. You? We're all on the same page? Cool. I dig that. I mean, I'm already seeing, you know, Wakanda Forever's been out for a week, and I'm seeing a lot of, like, memes, like, they're just jokes and stuff, but it's like, that's like a spoiler. Like, <laughs> people are going to want to know that thing that's in the picture, even though you're just making a joke. Yeah. Yeah, the, the thing, I like a lot of things about uh, Barbarian. And again, this I'm gonna I might slip with some spoilers. So just if you haven't watched it, he said he liked it. We're now. telling you to go watch it from here on out. <laughs> yeah. Spoilers. But the structure is kind of wacky, and you know you spend what half an hour thinking it's one type of horror movie, and then it becomes a completely different type of horror movie in like a split second. Yeah. And then we're like shift to a to completely different story for like 20 minutes before that story starts to intersect with the first story. Like, I just thought that was genius. <laughs> and uh, it's, it's really kind of smart way to do it. Yeah. Sorry. I was just going to say it's really a smart way to do it because we've already been through the uncertainty and the not knowing what's going on at the location. And we don't know all the details, but we know enough to know it's fucked up and it's not good. And then we get like you said, a completely different, a different character we're following. And we realize that, oh shit, now he's at that place and we know things he doesn't. 
we don't know everything, but we know enough that you don't want to be there. And in, you, you now you're just waiting. How is and he he's just find out? completely oblivious? Like uh, Justin Long's character, he, I mean, he's great in the movie. <laughs> he's great in most <laughs> stuff that I see him in, but yeah. just like he's in a sex dungeon room, like and completely oblivious to that's where he's standing. He's just doing the measurements, trying to. When he pulls uh, out the tape measure, bro. Yeah, just it's seeing hysterical. dollar signs. It's it's a perfect comedy moment. Yeah. It's awful. It is absolutely awful. Right. But it's hilarious. It, it's that 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 part. I've seen a number of people mention it because it's it's just done so well. Yeah. And he's like not even thinking. He's going down these stairs. Shouldn't you be worried like about where you're going? Yeah. Just yeah. It's and then they switch to the uh, Richard. What's the guy's name that's in the zombie movies? Rob Zombie movies. Oh, Richard Brake. Uh, they switch to that like flashback. Yeah, we get like five to ten minutes of like essentially exposition. Yeah, yeah, pretty yeah. much. But yeah. it's done in such a very specific stylistic a, way. Yeah, really visual exposition because yeah, yeah. nothing's ever said, but you know by point of reference, like, oh, that's the guy who lived there. That's what the room was for. That's like, right, like all this stuff. You're just figuring out pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, and then at the end, it becomes like a monster movie <laughs> for the last 20 minutes when they're on the run. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I loved it. I, I didn't like, I had seen a trailer for it. What seemed like a year ago. Uh, I'm not sure how long ago this, if this movie got pushed back or, or if it's just maybe not been as long as I thought, but you know, the trailer that did come out, you pretty much only see the interactions between the lead girl and Bill Carsgard. Mm-hmm. So it was done like, so wrong. <laughs> yeah we were all yeah. suspicious of you bro you were innocent <laughs> but yeah i really loved it i don't know how well it's going to hold up on a rewatch because like so much of it the enjoyment for me for the first time was the enjoyment of like the surprises and, well what the fuck is going to happen now yeah and so you know maybe it won't be as entertaining watching it again but i think there's still going to be plenty of stuff in there that uh it's going to hit, hit hit right and i really love the Justin Long actually gives a pretty nuanced performance at times because you get the moment when they're sitting at the fire with uh, the homeless guy and he's kind of telling him like what's been happening in that house. And Justin Long's character is, am am I a a bad person or am I just a person who did a bad thing? Like he's, you almost think like, oh, is he starting to kind of redeem himself? Is he going to have like a redemption arc? And then like, as soon as the chips are down, he's like tripping the girl basically. So the monster can grab her, uh, just completely despicable piece of shit. Yeah. It, you know, like a lot of people do when they get a moment to realize the bad things they've done, they, they have enough humanity to have shame over it and they feel bad and they don't want to do it anymore. They want to be better, but when they're placed in the situation, they make the same decisions all over again or worse. You know, it's just, (laughs) you know, like with Justin Long, you know, it's just weakness of character really, you know, he's just a, he's a weak piece of shit. He's a (laughs) douchebag, you know, and it turns out Justin Long is really good at playing that. Mm -hmm. Uh, I thought he was great. I thought he was great. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a hell of a movie. It's just a really effective horror movie. I think it will still play well there's no way it will play as well as it did the first yeah time. you you can't replicate that no. after you've seen it but yeah i think there's still going to be enough in there to to entertain <laughs> yeah. in, in in a different way than something like say the sixth sense you know mm-hmm. or something where there's some kind of huge reveal and when you go back and rewatch it you're seeing all the clues or all the things that were set up and it plays differently for you now barbarian is not going to exactly do that in that kind of way but i think 
I think it will still be entertaining enough, at least to watch one more time. Shit. <laughs> but even though I do not necessarily want to rewatch her breastfeed him again. Oh. That's the shit that I never. That's what I was saying. I've never seen. Yeah, never seen a <laughs> weird, twisted mutant mother thing uh, forcibly breastfeed a grown ass man. Uh, what about Pearl? Have you seen Pearl yet? I know it came out on Blu-ray like last week or this week. I have not yet. I liked X. Mm-hmm. I thought it was a good slasher. A lot of people liked it a lot more than I did. Yeah, but I think yeah, I, think I liked it more than you from when we talked about it before. And I I prefer it to Pearl, but Pearl is also really good. And you may prefer Pearl. It's a very different movie. <laughs> yeah. I was not really thrilled with the notion of watching Pearl. I saw the trailer and I was like, yeah, mm-hmm. you know, I don't even know that I need to watch it. Or at least <laughs> I had no real drive to watch it. Yeah. There was nothing that was making me go, Ooh, I gotta do it. No, I was like, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm sure I will. And I'll watch it and it'll yeah. be fine. I'm sure. But hearing the things that people have said and seeing more uh, stills at least i haven't gone back and rewatched trailers or watched clips or anything further uh in terms of footage but clips and stills on the internet people pointing out uh how visually different it is in this weird kind of technicolor wizard of ozzy kind of thing yeah i'm intrigued now i must admit i'm like yeah let's fucking <laughs> i want to check it out yeah and mia goth is incredible in it i'm pretty sure about that yeah who i like you know anyway but yeah she's Amazing in Pearl, but, but yeah, I guess that's all I got. Um, we've gone pretty long. <laughs> this is our big return to small screeners that's after right. our, our miniseries. So that's it, I guess, for this week. Our next episode, dear listeners, will be The Last Outlaw from October 1993, starring the great, the legendary, the absolute crazy Mickey Rourke and a veritable fucking who's who of character actor greats dermot mulroney john c mcginley keith david steve buscemi ted levine it has an amazing fucking cast it's on hbo max for this group of outlaws everything in the west was for the taking with the robbing of every bank They rode beyond the law. Let me see you later, boy. Just a scratch. But now, Grab, their bloodthirsty leader, has gone too far. Maybe we should tend to his wounds. I see it. Leave him. We never leave nobody. And his men have turned against him. And left him for dead. That was their first mistake, soon to be their last. Now he's vowed revenge. You think we can stop me? One by one. We all gonna die. Hunting them down. It's poor. He's not human anymore. Well, I guess nobody lives forever. The Last Outlaw, starring Mickey Rourke of Harley Davidson and the Marlboro Man and Desperate Hours, Dermot Mulroney of Young Guns and Point of No Return, Keith David of Platoon, John C. McGinley of Born on the Fourth of July, Steve Buscemi of Reservoir Dogs, and Ted Levine of Silence of the Lambs. In the action-packed western, you the last. Best of it. The last outlaw.